This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that was so dismayed by Sarri's inability to adapt that it left when he substituted Zappa Costa for Aspilicueta. Quite an infamous night at Stamford Bridge for all the wrong reasons. Uh, while I can understand that none of us expected to wallop Man United and go through to the FA Cup quarterfinals, the least we could expect was a bit of fight from the players when they went 2-0 down, and a manager who might change things in an attempt to get us back into the game. But of course, the one thing that you can rely on these days is Sarri bringing on a like-for-like substitution that do nothing to change the game. Basically, Sarri is too stubborn. His plan A has been found out, uh, and there is no plan B. Uh, Not even bringing on Hudson and Doi. Uh, The player's negative body language signals a complete lack of belief in the coach. No wonder the fans turned mutinous last night. Uh, At the end of the evening at Chelsea, the FA Cup holders were dumped out meekly. Uh, No more FA Cup this season without even a hint of a fight or making United break out in sweat. Uh, Until last night, Chelsea hadn't lost at home to Man United since 2012. And that is the first time this century that Chelsea has failed to score in an FA Cup game at Stamford Bridge. Let those two facts alone sink in. I'll leave the last word on this to uh, the BBC's Phil McNulty, who said, As Maurizio Sarri watched his side limp out of the FA Cup, he resembled a jaded end-of-the-peer entertainer going through the same old act that once brought him acclaim, but is now greeted with open hostility and, even more painfully, mockery. Well, quite. Uh, enough is enough. It really can't go on like this. Can it? Anyway, the Chelsea fancast number 451 ain't no love in the heart of the city. Which I felt was quite appropriate. There was not a lot of love in Stamford Bridge last night, was there, Jonathan? Uh, no, no. For the last um, five minutes, I, uh, I put my hat over my eyes. <laughs> Did it help? Uh, no, <laughs> not in the slightest. 
Um, uh, but was equivalent to when I was little to um, hiding behind the wall or because uh, um, I never wanted to leave particularly, but I just because I felt it was disrespectful to the club. But I would still stay, but I would just hide. It's a bit like watching the Daleks. Um, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was very very difficult, wasn't it? Oh my mm. God! It but was. The, it just that ain't no love in the heart of the city. What's that from? It's White Snake song. Oh right, yeah, yeah, White Snake. Mm. Oh, bloody hell! Yeah, I don't I don't know where I pulled that one out from, but it just seemed really appropriate. Um, but uh, you're right. It was just weird last night. I mean. As you know, I mean, I, I never ever... I've left early, I think, twice in memory in the last 20 years. And once was because I, I had to get to uh, a Supporters Trust SG, SGM and I had to sap all the gear and we stupidly booked the, booked the room and the Atlas, you know, very shortly after the game finished. So I had a good reason. And, and last night, I mean, basically, I had to drive home to Winchester last night. I had to get up stupidly early this morning. And uh, if you leave after the whistle goes where I park, you sit in a traffic jam for 45 minutes. So add that on to a 90-minute journey. And I just thought I was kind of like edging my way out. And then, you know, that Zappa Costa for Aspilicueta sub. And I just thought, you don't give a shit. You don't want to win the game. There ain't no comeback no, I, here. I'm I, off. Chidge, I, I will go into it if you want. I can go into it now if you like. I understood why he did it. I have yeah, well, can we can, actually, can we wait? Let's, let's, get this out, let's get this out of the way yeah, first. And then... I've got into his mind, Chidge. Okay, well, I'm, 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 I, I don't know if I'm delighted or terrified, but yeah. I now can't wait to hear it. But we, we'll, can do, let's... we can do an hour just on the Zappa Costa for his Piliqueta. Well, we, we could. <laughs> and there we go. Beautifully, beautifully segued as Jonathan and I go completely off the point. Uh, our third and final and most fantastic guest is also joining us tonight, which is, of course, the lovely Liam Toomey. How are you, mate? I'm good. Pleasure to be back, guys. I'm just a few hours removed from getting off a plane from Lisbon. I was there for the weekend, so uh, ended up watching the watching the Chelsea United game from, from afar, uh, which hopefully has given me a, a little bit more of a sense of perspective. But, I mean, the, the, I could feel the toxicity through the TV screen, so... Indeed. Well, you know, you, at least you lucked out by being in Portugal and not there last night. Although I, I kind of feel it was one of those, you know, we will look back on this in time and say, yes, I was there at that match. It had that kind of a feel about it. Um, anyway, we better tell you what we're going to do tonight. I wonder if you can guess what we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, indeed. Right. Uh, on the show tonight, we uh, discussed the nightmare at Stamford Bridge, Sh- uh, Sarri's shortcomings, the substitutions, which we dipped our toe into a minute ago, uh, the increasing toxi- toxicity and vitriol aimed at the manager by the supporters, who he seems to have lost. Uh, in part two, we asked, does Sarri have to go now? Is his position, position untenable? Is the situation worse than it was with Rafa, AVB and Scolari? What must happen to limit the damage and what potential replacements are there longer term? Zidane and Laurent Blanc have both been mentioned in dispatches, but what about Frank Lampard? Uh, in part three, as you can imagine, people, uh, we have had loads and loads and loads of emails with Chelsea supporters venting their spleen at what's going on with the club. So uh, basically, I've decided to uh, have two parts dedicated to all of the emails so we can read them all out. And then somewhere in between, we will wrap up with the usual parish notices. Now, don't forget, of course, as ever, you can listen to the show live on every Monday, unless the BBC scupper us like they did last night uh, at seven o'clock. 
uh, by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And of course, you can also tweet us at any time you like and tell us what you think uh, at Chelsea Fancast. And on that point, uh, loads, well, actually not loads of people in tonight, but that is entirely my fault and possibly the BBC's uh, because Tuesday just happens to be uh, the busiest day of my working week. And uh, therefore, I had no time to put the normal notice on Mixler or Twitter today. So we, I'm afraid we are we are a bit, you know, bereft of the Spartan. normal group, group. We are. It's a bit Spartan in there. But, oh, no, blimey, it just shot up by quite a significant amount. So maybe they've realised we're on air. We are on air. Uh, anyway, who have we got in the house? We've got uh, Paul Burgess, if she don't come, Greg Gardner, Eric Morabito, Tony Glover, who's on next week, by the way. Uh, to probably discuss the end of the uh, Sarri era. Um, Shed Upper Man, Ramsey, to those who know him. Nobby Steelers, Emilio Estevez, Hazardous 17, the lovely Bob Usre, uh, Treedy, who I've not seen in here before, possibly. So there we go. Got a few people in there, some of the usual suspects, and John Chips Chiverton. How could I forget John? Lovely to see you all in there so far. Now, after this little break, we're going to come back and uh, talk about a football, innit? Right, um, goodness me, where do you start? I mean, I mean, I think I'll just talk about the game for a second, really. I mean, uh, you know, clearly United started pretty well for the first 10 minutes, looked dangerous. Uh, but I thought we settled into the game after that and actually, you know, looked fairly comfortable. Wouldn't say in control, really, but we looked comfortable. And then they scored. But the, the overriding thought that I had, you know, once they scored, it just seemed all over. And, and it certainly was uh, when the second went in. And I mean, Jonathan, I mean, as always, poor old Alonso gets the, the grief for, for apparently not picking up Herrera for the first goal. But it wasn't his man. The guy ran clear through the midfield. Nobody picked up the runner. Alonso was already marking Rashford. So I don't see how he, he can be completely blamed for that. It was one of those situations where he, he, almost, he almost felt he was going to shout, it's OK, guys, I'll, I'll take these two. Because uh, um, he, he had two players to mark. So uh, he then saw the ball coming over and made an attempt, but by then it was it was too late. Um, it was actually a fantastic centre, wasn't it? Was it um, uh, Pogba who sent it? Yeah, but it was, yeah. Uh, it was brilliant, but it was actually against the run of play because I thought we'd played very well for twenty five minutes. Uh, they mm. they went at us for ten minutes, um, uh, even less than that for about five minutes because they thought that was the template. That was the way that. City had scored against us. That was the way that Arsenal had scored against us. So that, well, they they pressurised us in that period, and they tried to do the same. And I thought we weathered the storm really well. And uh, and I thought we should have scored. We had several chances. There was a Higuain chance where at the edge of the area where he should just have clattered it, and he didn't. He stopped and passed it. And of course, there was his header that was uh, he should have buried that as well, and that would have put a completely different complexion on the match. But. Um, uh, the shoulders went down on the goal, which because uh, um, it was against the run of play. And I think this is such a big difference with this side is that they go down a goal and uh, you can see the confidence sapping out of them. 
Um, and I, I don't think this immediately actually says, everybody says in the media, it's because they have no confidence in the manager. I think it's because they haven't got confidence in themselves or the system that they're playing. And this is why their heads go down. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. They're, they're, the, the first 25 minutes was good. And um, uh, I still don't think they're playing Sarismo. Still don't think they're playing what he would like. But they seem to be playing their own version of it. Um, and uh, and as the game went on, um, I didn't see that we improved. Well, I mean, there was the, the sucker goal was the second, wasn't it? Which was the same pattern. And I wonder whether Kepa could have got a hand to it or something. I'm not sure. But it was the same move. And uh, we were found out again. It was almost as if, you thought, well, that's the way to do it. Put a, a decent ball into the far post and there'll be somebody there. So, I thought that I thought actually I thought that really was awful defending actually because he just went through two of them and should never have got to that ball I don't think but I think you're right I think I'm going back to what you're saying which is an interesting point actually uh, because I, I really did feel that I felt at one oh shit when that's it really but I mean when it was two I thought well that 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 really is game over just didn't see us coming back and 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 I think you're right actually I think they have no belief in the system that they're playing uh, I don't think they dislike Sarri at all in the way that perhaps a lot of them didn't like Conte but. They just—they just so—they seem so bereft in terms of what they're supposed to be doing, and and it just looks like it because they go to pieces when they go behind. There's just no belief that they can, you know, they're being good players. They have to carry out the manager's instructions, otherwise they'd be all out mutiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they just—they—they're they, doing what he says, or they do what they think he's saying, and they just can't see. They—they they know that it doesn't work. And, but they know and I think, that they're not playing it as well. That's the thing. Well, I think there's that yeah. that that destruct going on is they think we're not coming up to the manager's expectations. Um, yeah. And then they play well, even though they're not playing what he wants. And they still, they still uh, um, uh, get a goal down, and you can just see the confidence going from them. It's, it really does seep out. It's, uh, it does, doesn't you know, it? And I, you know, I think there's, there's, it's really interesting actually because players are not stupid, and I think that one of the problems with this is that there are so many players playing out of position or not in their best yeah, position. And, yeah. I, and I think players are not stupid. Again, they know that. Liam, lots of other things to talk about on this, and I think we're kind of talking about. The fact that, I mean, you know, we didn't look like scoring really or threatening them. I mean, they defended well, to be fair, has to be said. But we had two shots on target. One was the Louise free kick and then Pedro took one on the rebound. That was in the 11th minute. That was it. Sarri's response to this, it was a shame you missed the presser. You'd have loved this. <laughs> Apparently his response was, well, we played 78 balls to the opposite goal and United played only 16 balls yeah. into the box. Yeah. Well, whoop de fucking do Let's give him a trophy for getting the most balls into the opposite goal. What is he talking about, Liam? It's mental. Well, it's about goals, surely. You've got to you you've got to give credit to Sari for knowing his stats because he does often wheel these things out um, quite randomly. He does he clearly does behind the scenes take a very analytical approach to the game, uh, which kind of feels a little bit at odds with the fact that he's so tactically one eyed uh, in the way he does things. But he does really pay attention to. To, to these numbers and to and and to em, like emerging trends at both ends of the pitch, it doesn't mean he changes anything about what he does, but he does seem to know um, vaguely what's happening. Yeah, of course, in in and of itself, it, it means nothing. And I think you know, watching that game, I think we, you know, I, I felt the same watching it on the TV. That once once United were two nil up. I mean, I, I, I felt like I could pretty much finalise my player ratings and there was still 45 minutes to play. That shouldn't be the case. But you just know um, that 
Chelsea style of play, as AK says, when they when they lose confidence in this style, if you're trying to play on the front foot as they are, it requires total belief and total commitment to what you're trying to do. If you're even slightly off either of those things, then your timing is out on the press, your decisions under pressure are slightly off, and it all crumbles like a house of cards. And I think yeah, that's what I'm... we're seeing from Chelsea a lot now, is that... <coughs> One thing leads to another, and it's just a cascading effect where yeah. it, it lapses into these sort of 15, 20-minute spells where they give up chance after chance and, and, and occasionally goal after goal, or these, these long sort of langers in games where they, they pass the ball far too slowly, much slower than Sarri wants them to, from side to side rather than forwards, against teams that are frequently have gone ahead, so have the luxury of sitting deep and counter-attacking yeah. us. Yeah. Like it did, and it, and it, and it's just a a very unsatisfactory pattern for everyone involved. I think. Well, isn't it just? I mean, you know, more stats. I mean, actually, talking of the stats, I think that's actually what Sarri does with his notebook. You know, because all we ever seem to see, because he never really has any engagement with the players unless he shouts at somebody, but he tends to write and scribble in his little notebook obsessively. And I think that's what he's doing, Liam. He's counting those stats. But here's one for you. I mean, we failed to score in, in seven of the last twelve games. Three of the games uh, we've scored in were, were Huddersfield, Forest and Malmo, hardly top teams. Uh, we've got a massive problem breaking down defences and, you know, it's just nuts. And, I mean, just to, to, to you know, we, we've seen a pattern here, haven't we? Every decent side we play, and United did this as well, of course. They used a midfield diamond, um, as have every team in the top six bar Liverpool. Uh, and they switched their position against us and they win by doing it. Um and they just double they double up on Hazard and they shut down Jorginho. And, and you know, they're all doing it. And, and to, to, to set up your team and not try and adapt to that or, 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 or try and change, I cannot understand, Jonathan. It's just, it's mad. Well, the other There's no thing, other word for it. The other thing they do, Chidge, is, which in fact was it, it did for, for Azpilicueta last night, was that they've got one bloke who breaks unbelievably quickly and puts pressure on everybody. Because the second you lose the ball, this is the problem with his 90% attacking press, is if you do lose the ball, then you're completely ripe for the counter-attack. And Rashford's no idiot, and very quick. And Azpilicueta, by the end of by 10 minutes to go, was absolutely exhausted, because all he'd been doing is chasing Rashford back all the time. And that's one of the, the major problems. You just think, and it's this business about whether he's pragmatic and just tweaks it slightly so that somebody holds back. I think Guardiola, uh, after the first season in uh, with Man City, put four players behind the ball all the time and didn't do yeah. the press completely. So there are four players there to deal with this kind of thing, to deal with the, with the, the counter-attack. But we were so vulnerable to the counter-attack last night. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't score from the counter-attack. But it's this, if you then, the, if you then give the ball away at any stage... The, the decent sides will take you to the cleaners or, if not, completely exhaust you because they're just constantly, well, exhaust the defenders. And therefore, we segue beautifully into the reason why he brought, brought Zappa Costa on. But I'm quite happy not to, to mention that at the moment. But I could see I could see the way that his little brain cells were whirring there. Um, well, sorry. well, well, no, no, let, let's talk Let's talk about Zappa Costa now, JK. Come yeah. on, give it a whirl. Okay. Well, because... Dave got worse and worse. I mean, also, we had that wonderful situation of every single centre that he that he, he made hit the first bloke uh, or, or went to the goalkeeper's hands. He has suddenly become 
a devoid of ability when it comes to actually centering, despite having provided all those crosses for uh, Morata originally, but in a different system, of course, where he had more time to do it. And as the game went on with his rushing around madly after Rashford, he got more and more exhausted. So Sarri thought to himself, I can't have West Pelaqueta playing anymore because he's rubbish. He was shit by then. I actually said to my mate next door to me, God, Dave's got worse and worse. God, bloody hell. And that instance, the board came up for Zappacosta. And I thought, yes, I see what you mean, um, Sarri, because you want the least that Zappacosta can do is centre. So if he does actually get past anybody, he can pump the ball into the middle. But and he, and he wanted somebody who could also chase Rashford back because I posted this on Twitter and, and people said, well, why did he bring Adoy on? Because Adoy isn't as good a defender, supposedly, as Zappacosta. So this, I felt, was what was going on in Sarri's mind. I mean, what should have happened, of course, is that you know, with 15 minutes to go, he should have brought Giroud. And, no, no, Jonathan, Jonathan, he brought him on. Yeah. He brought him on in the 82nd minute. Right. Well, it's, no, no, it's still 10 minutes to go, Chidge, as I said. It's 10 but, minutes but, to go. Because, why didn't no, he make the change before that? Because they, he gave Dave all that time. He gave Dave, it was the final bit where Dave um, kicked the ball out. The next moment it got given the ball and just passed it straight to one of them. And that was when he immediately did it. I, and I, I was thinking, because what I said to my mate, Dave's really had it. So he, in his mind, all he was doing was just, he did like for like, because he was worried about Rashford scoring. And but we were 2-0 down I know, I know in an FA Cup. No, I know, we, I, we needed I to score. No, I agree with you completely. I'm just telling you what was going on in his oh, mind. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm not saying you're, you're agreeing with him or trying to defend yeah, him. Yeah. It's just insane. No, you're 2-0 down yeah, in an FA Cup. Yeah. You need to score. Yeah, so I you agree. bring on a defender for a defender. He, no, he thought that he'd be able to get a couple of centres in because Dave wasn't doing it. But, well, I think he's a fucking idiot, no, no, mate. But I'm what sorry. He should have done, I agree. What he should have done was to have, was to have brought on Giroud and Adoy. And then just attack yeah. and attack for the last 15 minutes. And that's what any other manager would have done. However, it's now becoming apparent that he isn't any other manager and he will pursue his aim. He will pursue his plan and his system to the to the to the absolute limit. And wow. and that that way, unless he has unbelievable backing from uh, Marina, that way we'll see. Well, we'll lose everything. We'll beat Malmo. But we'll we'll lose to City by several goals and then Spurs and then he'll be, he'll be on his bike. I mean, I said last week yeah. all these matches would be well. well he, he'll be on his bike if Roman is involved. If otherwise, if it's Marina and Bruce Buck, um, which it may be the case because I'm as as we've said before, we're worried about Roman's involvement in the club at all because he hasn't been to see a single game. So perhaps it's. Perhaps it's Marina running it all, and all she, right. she is Mar- Mar- he is Marina's love child, really, isn't it? it was, well, I, it's, it was her, yeah, it was definitely her decision to do it. Liam, um, just let's go back to the, let's get another perspective on the. I, I take Jonathan's point, by the way, but uh, I, I mean, I, I, I looked at it and I thought, I mean, I thought it was Ranieri esque. I thought, was he saying, please sack me? At which point, that's why I left. I just thought, I, I, I'm not staying here for ten minutes if he's bringing doing that. It's just nuts. But maybe I was a bit overexcited. Um, Liam, what was your perspective? Well, I think you're you're doing Ranieri a disservice. This is a well, maybe brought, yes. <laughs> you, you, this is a man who brought Robert Huth on on the right wing in a Champions League semi final. You can't accuse him of being utterly predictable. Um, yeah, true enough. So, I, yeah, I mean. Uh, I, th- I found the final sub incomprehensible, as I said on on, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I mean, we knew we 
we anyone who had any familiarity with Sarri, and I, I didn't watch Napoli, you know, regularly last season. I saw them occasionally in the Champions League, and that, and that was it. But anyone who who had any sort of familiarity with his Napoli realised that this was a a plan A coach, not a not a guy who was going to try different things or to suddenly switch things up if they weren't working. Um, and that in itself is not is not a problem because there are plenty of plan A coaches. You know, Pep Guardiola is a plan A coach. Jurgen Klopp, Mauricio Pochettino, you know, they've, they've all got a certain set of guiding principles for the way they want their teams to play, regardless of who they're playing, what game they're playing, what they need to do. But the key difference, I think, and something that I think makes Sarri completely different from any other top coach that I've ever seen is that plan A seems to be completely tied to one formation. Regardless of the game situation, regardless of the opponent, it, it's only ever 4-3-3. There's not even a slight tweak to you know maybe go to a 4-2-3-1 where you could still do pretty much all the same things pressing-wise. It's just a slightly more attacking configuration of the same fundamental system, and it, and he doesn't even do that. So I find that really bizarre, um, and it and it I think it all I think it all contributes to a, to a sense that you know once Chelsea go behind in games, there's no there's there's no not even a possibility of you know a late surge or giving an opponent, asking different questions of an opponent in the, in the second half of a game. And I think the players feel that, which is why it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for them where they can't ramp up the intensity because they don't feel like anything anything's going to work. They know nothing different's going to come off the bench. And I think it, you know, as far as the fans are concerned, obviously I don't want to speak for them, but just the sense I get is it, it kind of, you know, it, it destroys all hope. Uh, <laughs> hope is very important to fans, particularly when things aren't going well. And if a game isn't going well, the one thing you have to cling to is that maybe you, you, the team can change something on the pitch or the manager can change something from the bench to to turn it all around. And I, I, I've been speaking to people the last couple of days about Sarri's time at Napoli, and I've been asking them, did he change games from the bench when he was at Napoli? Because I, I find this really really strange and and um and the answer is pretty much no you know he, gab gab marcotti had a really good piece in the times today about sari um where he said the the equivalent he had an equivalent of the barkley kovacic substitution at napoli it was uh zelinski for hamzik it was basically the same left-sided midfielder for left-sided midfielder he did exactly the same thing and the only way they changed games in the second half was just by executing the system better. But but Chelsea, as JK said, are not at that level of executing this system in the first place. And once they encounter adversity in a game, um, it, it it all goes it all goes down the pot, really. Yes, indeed, it does. Uh, and I mean, I think to, you know, just picking up your point about the supporters and. Uh, you know, as I said, I, I can't remember if I said this earlier on or not, but, you know, the supporters are not stupid. You know, they, a lot of them have watched football for a long, long time. And you know when something's wrong and when it's not working. And, and that's, you know, what you demand of your manager. You demand of your manager to also see that and to change it. And, and I think the fact that he's just not prepared to uh, gives rise to 
this mass outbreak i mean i you know i know i know that opinion on him has been fairly split for all sorts of reasons which i'm not going to bore you with yet again uh but i think i think last night was the final straw for many and you know there was a bit of a a, a breakout of toxicity i mean there were booze at half and full time uh, a few chants of you don't know what you're doing uh, at the subs uh particularly the uh you know the barclay uh and then Kovacic change, which actually I just laughed at. Um, but the fuck Sarri, the fuck Sarri ball chanting, I think, was the main thing, and and the mass departures. Um, I mean, basically, at the moment, Sarri can empty a stadium quicker than the London Fire Brigade, I think. But um, I mean, what I really wanted to ask was, uh, are they justified, Jonathan? I mean, I, I suspect you might say no, because I, I know that you, you know you're quite old school and. And and would uh, wouldn't dream of doing that. I mean, I, I, I hasten to add, Jake. I, I didn't join in, but I did chuckle. I'll be honest with you. Um, well, I, I think they're justified if they've you know paid a large amount of money and they don't like the way it's going and they they can't see there are any redeeming features in it. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think there's a lot of um, it, it's big knee jerk reaction. And in the, you know we've lost to. Um, one of our rivals, and we were humiliated by their fans, who I have to say were were fantastic, um, non-stop singing of their ludicrous, indecipherable anthems. But um, uh, I'd like a translation most of the time. I'd like to be there with a, a Man United mate who can just tell me what on earth they're singing about. But it went, it was inexorable and constant, uh, which is a, the same word. Um, but um, uh, I, I, I can under, I, I, I'm not a great fan of people leaving before the end, but if they're thinking all they're seeing is uh, the same thing and there's not going to be any, um, there's not going to be any resolution uh, and, and the, the team won't be able to fight back, I think we may have reached the, uh, the point of no return for him. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I, I, if they don't, if they don't get what he's trying to do, which they don't, and they don't understand that the team aren't playing the way that he wants them to play. I would disagree with Chidge about writing down stats. I think what he's writing down is where the triangle should be, how they're missing the triangles. Because the way they're supposed to be playing is something you can almost do blindfold, which is you just, um, uh, somebody makes a triangle for you and you you can pass the ball to them moving, and uh, which is what he did at Napoli. Um, and, and he isn't, and they're not doing at all. And, and you are supposed to be hardly taking any uh, any uh, no long passes and no um, uh, no uh, several touches on the ball. You're just supposed to be one touch and you're passing it, which we're not doing at all. So he is constantly making notes about what they're not doing and what they're supposed to be doing. And the problem is, is they're getting worse and far from getting better. They're getting worse. And you can see them trying to go back to the way they used to play, you can see it. But they're, 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 they're you know, good luck to them. They're, they're, they're having a go at playing his way, and I reckon uh, uh, just to save even more humiliation, he should go now, and they should get somebody in who tries to play the way um, that the players, the expensive players, play, which means having Kante playing defensively. Uh, as as he is one of the best players in the world at doing, you know, I've been as enthusiastic about uh, about about Sarri um, as as well. I think practically on my own in many instances because I understand what he's trying to do. Also, just from a from a, a technical point of view, but they're not doing it. I can't see them doing it, and we will just lose 
Uh, we'll beat Malmo, but we'll just lose everything for till the rest of the season now in the Premier League, unless there is a change. And he will not change. So, in a sense, the answer to your question, yeah, if they, the fans can't see it working, they don't want to be humiliated, they don't want to lose at home, they don't want to lose against United, they don't want to lose badly, which is the way that we're doing it. So, um, I, I, uh, I admire Sarri for trying to maintain his principles, but it just doesn't work. Now, as I say, the fear is, is that it may be that the, the board say, no, stick with it, mate, to the end of the season. We don't care about the fans. And we'll see. We'll have to see whether that takes place, whether that happens. Well, we will indeed. Of course, we know that Sarri doesn't because that's what he said in his exactly. post-match presser, which I don't think was too smart either. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I've just posted this up on Mixler, actually, but I don't know if you're all, all, all familiar with a, a fantastic piece uh, written by, I think it's Robert Roberto Simeone uh, for Football London uh, at the weekend. We, and Rob, Roberto's, uh, you, you know, writes about football in Italy, but uh, particularly about Napoli. I think he might even be a Napoli supporter, but it goes into the the history of Sarri Ball and how it, how it evolved um, which apparently was completely by mistake because he he basically wanted to play out was four two three one or four three two one or four three one two I think I can't I think it was four three one two after Benitez left and uh, they were getting thumped and they the players didn't like it and the players basically all went to him and said no 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 we want to play four three three so he reluctantly changed to four three three and they immediately whooped a couple of teams five nil beat Juventus and the rest as they say is history. And he's never changed since. But the interesting thing is, is that those players were already very familiar with playing possession-based short-passing football and were very comfortable with it. Um, and it, it, it seems to me that I, I just cannot understand the mentality of somebody who just tries to transpose that onto a completely different set of players because it may have been, as in fact it was at Napoli, unique to those set of players that they could play it like like he wanted them to, like they wanted to. Why would you presume that the players over here could do it? I mean, sure, try it for a few games, but if it ain't working, you've got to change it. And I think his his I think it's arrogance, you know. It's not him at fault. It's not his his football. It's the players because they can't do it. Well, maybe it is you, mate. Maybe it is. And I just get the feeling, chaps, the only way that Sarri Ball will work here is if the whole of Sarri's Napoli squad are actually parachuted into Chelsea. <laughs> and then all, all, all we need to do then, all we need to do then is rename the club Chapley and everything will be fine, Liam. It just seems to be bonkers to me. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's arrogance. I genuinely don't. I think what it is, is that he doesn't know any other way to coach a team. You know, that he, he's not, he's not been at the top level before Napoli and, the only system that has ever seen him succeed at the top level is this system. So they've Chelsea have hired a coach who only knows how to do one thing. And that's what he's mm. doing. You know, it, it it's not that he it's not that he's too arrogant to change. It's not that he you know doesn't see the merits in, in, in other styles of football. It's that I don't think he knows how to coach another type of football. And I don't think he even knows I'm not sure he even knows how to coach another formation because it, well, given how reluctant he is to switch formation and you know that you can say that Sarri's fault for not for being too one di- one dimensional in his career you can say it's Chelsea's fault for hiring a guy that they should have known was like this um but you know I, I, I think at, at this stage it's it is what it is and um you know it's it, and and it, it only looks like it's it's going to end one way 
what it does indeed. Well, look, we're going to get into that. I mean, just to pick up on that point, though, Liam, if that's the case, if he if he only knows one way to coach, how on earth did he pass his UA for A badges? Well, I don't know. I don't know what's involved in. I don't well, know the details. Play, play, playing more than one system—that's for sure. Okay, so it's 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 beggar's belief, really. But anyway, look, we're going to move on. Uh, and in part two, as Liam has teased beautifully, uh, we ask, does Sarri have to go now? Uh, is his position, in fact, untenable? And uh, is the situation, this is the interesting thing for me. I mean, is it actually worse at the moment than it was with Rafa and AVB and Scolari? All very different situations, admittedly. Uh, and what must happen to limit the damage uh, that might be happening right now, and what potential replacements are there longer term? I mean, we know that Zidane and uh, Laurent Blanc have been mentioned in dispatches, but what about Frank Lampard? Anyway, we'll be back soon. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back, you lot. Uh, this is uh, the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stamford Chidge, and I'm joined by the lovely Jonathan Kidd Hello. and the er- and the erudite uh, Liam Toomey. Uh, now, at this juncture, I always say do check out uh, the Chelsea Fancast website, which is chelseafancast.com. Uh, it's uh, it's great fun. You can find everything you need to know about the Fancast on there. All the all the episodes go up from all the shows that we do. Um, we've got quite a few blogs go up as well. Uh, Nick Stroudley put up a cracker this week. Uh, the, the lovely Dean Mears, who is in the uh, Mixler tonight, quite often writes for us. The lovely Jonathan Ellis always writes match previews and reviews. And, of course, we've got the girl who likes balls putting her stuff up there too. Right. Um, I've kind of loosely uh, titled this Sari Viderci, and I think you all know why. Um, I mean, I've got to be honest with you, and, I, and it, I be, I, I'm really being honest when I say this gives me no pleasure whatsoever to say this, but I do believe he has to go now. I don't think there's any point in waiting and fanning about. And and the reason I say this, and, and one of the reasons it, it, it gives me pain to say this is it, is that it sounds like we're we're falling right back into the same old pattern, you know, o- owner throwing his toys out the pram, getting rid of the manager. It happens all the time. But I think sometimes, and 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 you know, I've been on the planet a while. I've done a lot of jobs, and I've worked with a lot of people. And sometimes, you know, when it ain't working, and you never think it is going to work, you just have to bail out, even if it look makes you look really stupid. And the reason you have to do that is sometimes you have to think of the bigger picture, and that's the damage that. Uh, the wrong person in the job can do if you keep them in there any longer. And I, I myself have been in that position where I've had to fire people because, much, and they were lovely people. They were super duper people. I, I used to really like them. Get on, but they were so incompetent and and ill ill suited for what they were doing. They were, you know, I would have had a revolt on my hands from the people that worked with them. People would have left. We would have lost loads of money. It would have been catastrophic. So sometimes. Even though you look like a complete dick for doing it, you have to act, and I think that's where we are uh, with the with the situation at the moment. Um, I mean, I could run down the list of all the things of, as to why, but you know, running down this very long list, um, you know, I mean, should I just do it quickly? I mean, he's lost the players, and I think he's lost the fans. I don't, I think, there's I don't no... think he's lost the players. I... Can I? Can I just? Can I go through it, and then you can? Then you can come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he has. I, I think he has lost the players to the extent to. to 
clarify that because Jonathan rightly uh, picked me up on that. What I mean by that is that, you know, they don't believe in his system. So I think that's what I mean by he's lost the players. He's definitely lost a lot of the fans. There's no, no, no doubt about that. I don't think there's really any way. When you lose the fans, there really is no way back from that, whatever he thinks. Because, you know, every, every single manager that's been fired to date, really, the fans, you know, have been, have kept, you know, loyal with them. Conte, people were loyal with. Mourinho, they were loyal with both times. Ancelotti, you name it. Uh, I mean, OK, there was a bit of dissent with AVB and Scolari. We'll go into that later. And we never liked Rafa at all. But it's usually been precipitated by the board or the, or, the, or Roman. Uh, anyway, we won't change tactics. I can't see that his, you can't see that his ideas might be flawed. He blames the players instead. He's marginalised too many of the squad. He, exa- he exhausts his core squad of 14. He picks players out of form. He doesn't play the youth and he won't play the youth. This is something that that article in Football London picked up on. Uh, a minor point, he's ostracised Gary Cahill, uh, to whom, at the very least, he should have been respectful of. Uh, and he actually could have used his experience even in the dressing room as a motivator. Um, I, I mean, he smokes, and I don't. Know, and I know for a, I've, I've heard that that doesn't go down well with the players. And yes, he's a bit scruffy, but I mean, really, who cares? So am I, you know. But he is the manager of Chelsea, so maybe there is an image to portray. Interesting last night, I thought that they interviewed Juan Mata after the game, and he was immaculately dressed in a suit with a with a club red tie on. So you know, you are representing the club. Um, Jonathan, pick me up on any or all of um, those if you want. He hasn't lost the players. Because the players, if you take Louise uh, as an example of uh, in, being interviewed, um, uh, am I still on? Can you hear me? I can. I'm just mulling that over because I did say that I don't think he's lost them in terms of they don't support him anymore. I just think they don't believe in the system that he's no, trying no, to No, I know, but I, don't, I think they believe in the system. I think they're trying their best and can't make it work. If they didn't believe in the system, they, they would be tracking back more. They would be moving out of position because they've got the 90 minutes sort of themselves, haven't they? Um, you know, that's what I'm not suggesting that you know, my, my park football is similar. But whenever I play Sunday morning football, if the if the uh, the manager said get forward, Jonathan, I would assess the situation and um, and make my own mind up. And uh, I think the fact that that Kante plays so far forward all the time, he was he was rushing into the penalty or on his own, is because he's attempting to play the system. So I don't think he's lost the players attempting to play the system. They just can't do it. I don't think he, the way you said that. There's no way back with the fans. Well, the way back with the fans would be to beat City at the weekend and beat Spurs and then start beating people. That would bring the fans back because everybody loves us winning. But uh, as it's so unlikely, you're absolutely right. And I think the same thing about his smoking and being scruffy. If he was hugely successful, nobody would give a would give a toss. Yeah. But it's been, a, it's totally been an, easy, an easy stick to hit him with. Yeah, and, totally and, agree. And, I, and I'm, it annoys me actually because uh, he's a thoughtful man, and I, I I'm, I'm really, I, I understand once again it's because I understand what he's trying to do, and I felt that that article actually that you you quoted it explained what he was trying to do, and it's not working, and and he doesn't, as as Liam said, he doesn't have another way of doing it, but he doesn't want to have another way of doing it. He wants to play with fourteen. He won't play the youth because. The youth have become this talismanic chimera. It's as if somehow anybody who hasn't played is better than the original side. All right, give them an opportunity. I'll keep quoting John Hollins. Give them four games. But he's, he, if, if to him they don't play well enough and the other lot are the best of the bad bunch, he'll play with the same, same lot because he wants them to get it right and they don't get it right. And, and he, is, he is banging his head against a brick wall, ultimately. 
And uh, um, yeah, I think the, the, the trouble is, is you know, does Gary Cahill have a... We don't know whether he has a say in these things. I, I don't even know how they train. Does he train with the 14? Does he, does he with the core? I mean, they obviously must train. They train with the 22 players that he wants to use or 24 players. But um, uh, it's difficult, isn't it, with the club captain? If the club captain isn't included in that lot, it's, it's difficult for him to be a, a dressing room motivator. Because um, has he got the same personality as JT? Not really. Um, uh, yes, I agree about picking players out of form, but you're not going to tell me that Emerson is any better than than uh, Alonso, for goodness sake. You know, it, 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 he's a kind of he's, he, he doesn't. He's when he plays, you don't go, yeah, bloody hell, he's good. You go, all right, he's a kind of another version. You know, so I, I mate, I, I agree, I agree with that. And I mean, look, we, we've said endlessly on the last two or three shows that you know he, he's also been handed a I mean given what he's trying to do he's been handed an almost impossible task because there's no doubt that on the one hand the uh, the quality of the squad is probably yeah. the worst it's been since Rome took over but you also you also have to say that the bulk of this squad also won the FA Cup last year and the Premier almost did a double the year before so you know they're, they're not a bunch of no, useless no, feckless losers I agree completely but they're playing they're all so used to playing defensively and on the break that other aspect of it and i think that's but, yeah. that's the major problem is they're so they're so used to, to wanting to play that way that it's it mm. become difficult and uh, uh, um, joe tweeds wrote a really nice article about um uh decline of the club and the standard of player we've got and yes i agree some of them i keep saying you know we've got who are the who are the, the world-class players well kante and hazard at the moment clearly kante isn't playing as well as he could if he was playing defender we've all gone with that but it, and it's becoming ridiculous now because he he's not contributing in the way that he should be contributing if he was playing in his proper position well in, in that case you know you either you what happens you stick with you stick with uh, with sari and he gets sold has a get sold and you play you play players who are more capable of understanding it is that the youth do you have a clear out or do you do do well do you invest that- huge yeah let's I'm going to get into that in a minute I think yeah, uh, but yeah. I, want to, I want to ask I want to ask Liam what he thinks although I mean Liam actually was quite funny he admitted to me he wasn't around then but you know that I think that similarities can be drawn with some of the previous you know kind of situations like this where it all got a bit toxic but uh you know, I mean, I know Rafa. I don't think Rafa is comparative at all. We never wanted him anyway. Although his football was absolutely awful, but he did actually win some stuff for us and did what he was there to do. And it should that should be noted, he even though I John stand Terry him. appallingly. Though his treatment of John Terry was frightful. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, mate, I, I'm no defender of Rafa, yeah. but um, you know, I think just for balance, we we should say that. I think AVB and Scolari, in in uh, in a sense, uh, Liam are. Are very comparable. I mean, AVB came in uh, with a with an organometron and tried to have a project and change everything, and of course pissed everybody off, including the senior players, and pretty much got everything that was coming to him and was utterly found out. And in fact, what's he ever done since uh, Tottenham? Well, not really. And Scolari, I don't, I don't know about Scolari. Maybe he's not comparable because I think he was just in for a big paycheck and taking the piss, really. Um, but what do you think, Liam? Is it is it worse than those three, or or, or is it comparable, or what? Um, I think in in some ways it's not comparable because, as particularly with Scolari, I mean Scolari was being judged by different standards. Chelsea at that point was still a club looking to win the league every year. Um, whereas I, I do think there's because as 
as you and JK have said, of the, the standard of the current squad, there is a little bit more of a level of realism um, that top four has to be the, the bar rather than the title. Um, and maybe, maybe AVB, I mean, I, I think AVB might have encountered the same problems in terms of transplant, transplanting a system onto a group of players that it didn't suit, but he also had a very different dressing room to deal with, with powerful characters. Um, and he was also given an impro- impossible brief by Abramovich, which is put all these club legends in their place when you were the guy who they last met when you were handing out DVDs, you know. <laughs> he, he was he was never, ever going to succeed with that. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of feel two, two things about, about Sarri, which is... If Chelsea were ever going to give like a proper project coach time, this might be the time to do it because the squad is going to have an overhaul anyway. Regardless of who the coach is, this summer, the next couple of windows, barring a a transfer ban, there will be a serious overhaul of this squad because they've allowed the core of that team that won the title under Mourinho and then won the title under Conte to approach the age of 30 at the same time and Hazard you know may may well leave for Real Madrid at the end of the season you know there there are a lot there are decisions that will be forced on Chelsea at the end of the year and decisions that they can proactively make whether Sarri is the man that you want to give that time to is is a is a different question and i feel like he would have a stronger argument to be that man to to say i'm building you know for the long term if he wasn't relying on short-term materials. I mean, you look at the players he's leaning on in his group of 14. The ones that aren't out of contract this summer or next summer, for one reason or another, are invariably 28 or older. You know, and Andreas Christensen may well push to leave the club this summer because he's being kept out of the team by a 31-year-old who's out of contract at the end of the year. Ruben Loftus-Cheek may push to leave Chelsea at the end of the season because he's being kept out of the team. He, he, he can't even get a, a minute in central midfield because of a player that Chelsea are keeping warm for Real Madrid. And he, instead, he's being played on the wing where he's taking minutes away from Callum Hudson-Odoi. So <laughs> all over this team, the way Sarri has constructed it and the way he's chosen to go, the, the players he's chosen to put trust in to try and play this style... The present is holding back the future, and I think that's a real strike against any argument he could make that he's building for the long term. Well, I, I totally agree, Liam, and actually that, for me, and I've kind of made my mind up now, as I said, and it, and it, and it gives me great pain to say this, but he's got to go and he's got to go now because I think the longer he stays, the more damage he can inflict. And I think it's exactly around those kind of points. I mean, Hazard may well go anyway. There's nothing we can do about that, I suspect. But, you know, there's still a chance to keep the the bulk of some very good and potentially very good players. Some of the younger ones, Loftus-Cheek, for example, Hudson-Odoi, Christensen, to name but three. And yes, there is a lot of dead weight, which will need to go. But, you know, if, if, he, can't, if he can't impose this system on this bunch of players... Who's to say that the club will buy the right players for him to do it unless they buy that? As I said earlier in the last part, the only way I can see it working is if they go and buy the entire fucking Napoli squad that he played this so well with and put them in here. And even then there's no guarantee of it because, you know, Napoli, 
you know, were, were found out at the highest level in Europe. You know, teams were able to counteract what how they played. So there's no guarantee that it would work even then. So I think you have to you have to cut your losses and also da- uh, limit that damage. And I think that's that's vital at the moment because, like you were saying, Liam, we are about to go through a huge change anyway. That, that there's there's a big, big, big transition finally coming. Which we'll go into in a minute, but just just to just a, a note for people to bear in mind here, um, uh, Av, because you know we, we we normally get rid of our managers at Christmas. That seems to be the done thing recently. Uh, but uh, Avb actually went on the fourth of March, and the pr- pressure began to mount on him on uh, the eleventh of February after a two nil defeat to Everton, and the defeat, ironically, to Napoli was the 21st of February. We are on the we are the 19th of February. There's still, you know, as, as Jonathan was saying, he fears it might be the end of next week. Well, there's still a couple of weeks yet. So, but I do think he has to go. I mean, you know, one of the reasons for that, um as I said is that you know, if he go if he does go now, there is a chance that we might still make top 4. I'm not convinced that Arsenal and and even United are that much better than us if we play you know, in a way that they know how to play. Um, you never know. We might be able to su- persuade Has to stay, although I do think it's doubtful. I'm more worried about the likes of Kante, Hudson, Adoy, Christensen, and a, and, a, and a couple of the other good ones getting so fed up with us. They just go, and that would really set us back even more than before. And of course, you know, one of the things a new manager will—I I have no doubts that we get. Any, you know, we could hire me or Tony to come in next week, and the first thing that we would do is revert back to. A, a back three because we know that Aspie and Louise can't play in a back four. That's why Conte changed it in the first place. And we'll put Kante back in defensive midfielder and we'll wave bye-bye to Jorginho. And as Jonathan has said many times on the show in the last few weeks, actually, if you are going to find out if Hudson-Odoi may have some potential and also try and keep him, then, you know, prove it. Play him for four games. See what happens, eh, Jonathan? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's the same with anybody else. I mean, the, a few of the others have crept into the youth, uh, the, from the youth have crept into the uh, the reckoning. Who was the boy who was um, uh, substitute recently in the in the Malmo game? Um, so obviously they are they are creeping around. It's not as if they're all disappeared and don't have any uh, possibility of being in the first team. But I, I have to put forward the possibility. What happens if if um, he's kept and? Uh, they sell um, everybody and uh, and go into a kind of frugal state where they just attempt to play um, lots of the low knees. Um, I, I, we don't know the state of the club. This is the this is the the, the feeling of, um, of of doubt that we have about everything with the club at the moment because once again no statement is ever made. But I felt it very telling that Bruce Buck appeared at the Malmo game the other day. He looked as if he was just interested, but I almost felt that was all, almost. Uh, um, Abramovich-esque um, going to the training ground um, and whether that's a statement of saying I'm just trying to see whether or not uh, we approve of your the way you're doing this or whether whether they're thinking we're going to change it around completely I mean we're, it's unlikely isn't it we're going to see a, um, um, uh, uh, that he will he will carry on because it's just not the way the club do their business um, but uh, um, even if he, he does go um, you need a kind of of, of pragmatic way of playing that allows, that keeps the strengths of the players that we've got, but perhaps moves it into a different world by by trying to play the the press. I mean, I, I find the whole the whole aspect of people this this has crept into every Premier League side 
um, and in every European side is that you you try and press as much as possible just to, to because everybody's trying to play out from the back. Um, and you wonder whether whether that will, whether that's just a trend. In actual fact, in future, the goalkeeper will boot the ball far down the pitch, as he always seemed to do before, thus removing all this press going on. But it seems to be, what, as, as the players get fitter and fitter, you just need that kind of player playing for you. And, and you need a different system, but clearly this system isn't working. So it needs to be a compromise. And, and as we've established, mm. he's not going to be compromising. So, uh, mm. um, uh, it, and I, I would love to play. I mean, I think Loftus Cheek actually would be featuring more. It's just he keeps getting this bloody injury, doesn't he? His bad back. But as you say, you still there, um, it, Jonathan? It's a tricky. You disappeared then. Sorry, mate. So we lost you for a sec. No problem. Probably just as well. I'd finished. <laughs> well, that would be why then. <laughs> Brilliant, uh, Liam. Um, you know, what do you think? Does he have to go now? Are you with me on that? Uh, I, you know, I, I still kind of go back and forth, and my my current understanding is that you know the the next two games I think are are pretty big for Sarri. Um, obviously, they're well positioned in the Malmo tie, having scored two away goals. In Sweden, they should get through that. The round of 16 will be another matter entirely. But then, you know, he he could lose he could lose the the cup final and stay on. But he, I don't think he could lose the cup final six nil and stay on. There there isn't much of an appetite at Chelsea to have that kind of humiliation again. Humiliate. Yeah. Even even yeah. against the team as as great as City are. Um, and then you know the the big games just keep coming. It's Tottenham Tottenham at the end of the month. The, the Wednesday to round off February um, and they'll probably have Harry Kane back by then uh, and they've done, they've done pretty well without him to be fair and then the game after that is, is Fulham away which for pretty much every other club in the Premier League would be a, a fairly reasonable fixture but against Chelsea I think uh, you can usually guarantee one of Fulham's best performances of the season so the, there isn't much of a respite and it's it's difficult to see, you know. It's difficult to see, given the trajectory of the the results, how it goes on much longer. It's it's always a little bit of a guessing game, guessing exactly when a manager will be sacked, um, particularly with Chelsea, but also because they've they've never really made an appointment like Sarri before. You know, they they've been, as we've mentioned, coaches more attack minded coaches hired, but a guy who has never won anything, has been hired purely for his ideas or for his idea, <laughs> to, hmm. to put it more, uh, <laughs> more accurately. Mind you, AVB hadn't won this thing either, though, had he? Oh, he had. He, was, he, he had, too. AVB was Mourinho. He'd, he'd, he'd won a treble at Porto. He was... Oh, I'm sorry. And a European trophy, oh, Jonathan. You're right, I'd forgotten. I had him as this, yeah, yeah. this small um, boy, crouching boy by the touchline. Yeah, listen. Um, okay, let's assume he goes somewhere in the next week or two. Um, you know, we're not going to hire. I, I just cannot see us hiring a, a new long-term manager now. It's going to have to be a caretaker or an interim. Obviously, Zola's, you know, in there. Um, there's not a lot of people who who really think that Zola's any good as a manager. But Liam, do you think do you think that's the most likely scenario, or or do you think they might have some other eye on somebody else who could come in and do a job until the end of the season, kind of steady the ship? 
Well, I mean, as a caretaker, we we can see from Chelsea's past that they do generally like to have a a qualified coach sort of in situ on the bench um, within within spitting distance, ready to take over uh, if if it all goes wrong, and and it has happened before and, and worked out pretty well for Chelsea. I mean, Zola, yeah, by all accounts, is is not the an earth-shatteringly great coach. He's a really, really nice guy, um, and you know, I don't, I don't think Roberto Di Matteo was the world's greatest coach, but he was, he was the right personality that that group of players needed at the right time. Now, of course, this is a completely different dressing room with a completely different set of personalities. So, there's no telling what could make a positive impact on them as opposed to Terry Lampard, Drogba, and the like. Um, but, I mean, Zola certainly, you know, he doesn't get on under many people's skin. Um, it just it, it depends on, on motivation and how much he would try to, to do his own thing. But if they were to get a caretaker in, yeah, I do think it probably would be Zola. I don't think they'd go much further afield. Although, apparently, Gus Hiddink is currently coaching China under-18s. I, I, well, I just can't see Goose coming back. That would just be mental. I mean, I just wonder if Steve Holland could come in temporarily. Do you think? Uh, well, I mean, maybe not impossible. Certainly, you know, the the international jobs are not full-time jobs during the season, but I could imagine um, Gareth Southgate and the FA maybe having a little something to say about it, given that they're trying to prepare for the Nations League this summer. And I'm sure Steve Holland would be in, would be heavily involved in in the preparations for that. Um, but you know, mm. in terms of pure logistics, I can't imagine he he's going to be flat out every day for the next few months dealing with that. So he he, he probably could. Whether he would want to is is anyone's guess. Mm. This is the trouble, isn't it, Jonathan? I don't think there really are many people available. Have you got any ideas? Um, I'll do it. I, <laughs> <laughs> At least I'd play Canty in the right fucking position. You, anyway, go on, JK. You'd never be lost for a word to say, Gigi. I'd certainly scare the bastards, wouldn't yeah, I? you would. You would. And I, could, <laughs> I could flatter at them. I could be your right-hand man. I could. You could. You could. No, you could sit in your normal seat. A bit like, do you know what? Actually, complete tangent, Jonathan, but you'll love this. Weirdly on Facebook, and, ba- and obviously I should never have watched this. This was an appalling premonition type thing to do but on facebook somebody posted up the uh, highlights of the chelsea crystal palace uh, cup match in i think it was 76 and uh, we basically got completely annihilated by peter taylor and uh, we were two nil down and then we we clawed it back to two all and then peter taylor scored a free kick and we lost three two and it's pretty horrible uh, but they kept on cutting away to the east middle, which is pretty much where you sit now, where they have Malcolm Allison with his big fedora hat. Yeah, and and to, the, to, well, to the left of him, they had Brian Mears chain-smoking and sitting next to his wife, who was sitting next to Michael Caine. So you could sit, you could sit where Brian uh, Mears sat, you see, you know, and look, look all kind of, you know, godlike. And I could be screaming and shouting at them from the touchline. What do you think? Could I wear a fedora? Yes, you can wear a fedora. And smoke a cigar. You can smoke a cigar. And have a very, very loud tie. And have a very loud tie. You can do all of those things. Do you want the job? I love it. Thanks, Chiefs. Okay, right. done. You see, that, this is how easy it is. Anyway, seriously speaking, though, there aren't really aren't that many choices, are well, there, I, think, I don't I think. I think Hiddink could do both jobs. He'd be good. He could come over from China from time to time. He could... Uh, I mean, um, who is it? This bloke, 
two was it not Tuchel? What's the bloke who's been the? They, they've all been wheeled out now, haven't they? As they were every time there's a, a vacancy or a possibility at Chelsea, the same the same suspects are wheeled out, and we're all supposed to go. Yeah, that must be it. Yeah, great. And it's just it's bollocks as always. Um, but uh, um, I, I wonder if they do a caretaker if somebody else was available um, and they wanted to keep him. You know, you wonder whether, as you said, Blanc has been suggested. He, he apparently audition, auditioned. He interviewed very well last year. Um, and perhaps he might, uh, they might do an, an interim, uh, you know, six months and then give him a, I don't know if they do that kind of thing with, with top managers, give you a kind of uh, end till the end of the season, see how you do. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I suppose Zola is apparently dreadful as a manager, isn't he? I mean, let's be honest. He, mm. he's, he managed not to have any success, West Ham, Watford, anywhere that he's been. Um so, as you say, he's a nice chap, but then what does that? What what happens then? Perhaps he might have the Solskjaer touch. You don't know. Perhaps perhaps the players would go, "Hooray! We're allowed to express ourselves, and do what we want." Um, so, uh, and it might they might put together a decent stream of results. So, um, perhaps it's just somebody who is uh, not Sarri. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I think you could be right, mate. Well, the other thing, be, I think it won't just be Steve Clark because he's Kilmarnock's manager. So um... no, no, I know. I, I, that's why I didn't mention him, even though I put him in the script because he wouldn't come. But anyway, uh, Liam, sorry, mate. No, Go on. just one other thing to say on Zola as well. The other unknown in all of this is whether he would want to take it. I mean, he's he he turned down several opportunities to come back to Chelsea before Sarri, and you know, t- t- turned down several opportunities to work with different managers. And he came to Chelsea at this point because he believes in Sarri's way of football. He's a Sarri loyalist. And so I think it's a really interesting question of whether Zola would want to would, would want to get the job in, in those circumstances. And that's a question I don't know the answer to. And, you know, well, we'll, we'll see if the situation arises. It'll be interesting to see how he feels about it. So could he play, so, so, could he play so, watered down Sarri then, Zola, if, he was, if he's a disciple? Could he play more... Um, uh, flexible Sarri ball. Could he do that? You wonder if he's more of a if he's less likely to play with the same fourteen. So he might be the man. Zola might be the man to do it. Mm, we'll see. Um, I was going to say something that completely went out of my head, uh, but never mind. Oh, I uh, no, I've I've forgotten. It's gone. Um, look, I mean, you know, obviously, I think actually, you know, Jonathan mentioned Laurent Blanc there, or Larry White, as we used to call him way back when he first got mentioned as a possibility for uh, Chelsea, which is as you said, Jonathan, before Sarri got hired. Um, I mean, he is available, and and as I mean, you know, it's kind of odd, isn't it? Any kind of se- senior or serious job that you do these days, you normally get what they call six months probation, where they don't actually give you your full employer rights. Uh, employee rights, should I say, until you've successfully negotiated negotiated your way through probation. So I don't see why it shouldn't happen for flaming football managers rather than getting a, a three-year contract first up. So when they screw up royally, they get paid out anyway. Anyway, that's that's something for the employment lawyers to grapple with. Um, I think, you know, longer term, you know, we were alluding to this earlier on, uh, there is a lot that is not quite right at the club at the moment. And we've gone through this ad infinitum over the last few weeks you know, to name them all, we don't have a director of football. Uh, football, so if we do hire and fire managers every two seasons, there is absolutely no football in continuity or knowledge or expertise in the board. Um, we we have very few world class players. We're about to lose one of them, very probably in the summer. 
if the other one gets pissed off he might go too there's the possibility of a transfer ban uh, on the horizon there's a lot of older players that really need to go there's some players that we shouldn't have signed up to five-year contracts but ha- I mean you know there's so many real issues and it could all come to a head which is what I think Liam was alluding to earlier on so I think you know whoever we do hire they need to be able to really in a in a sense we need really need to be rebooted and reset and perhaps with a with a brief of not to go and you know because I was saying last week actually Liam that you know we kind of need the equivalent in some respects as, as what we had in 2003-4 which is a complete overhaul of the squad and a lot of money being spent to do that but we spent so much money recently at a time when Roman has been keen not to spend so much money I just can't see that happening so something else needs to happen in which case whoever comes in has to be given a proper long-term brief and realistic expectations um, and yeah there's some good managers out there but the, the reality is you know, I'm just trying to think of who could be given a time when we actually really have to rebuild the squad and the club and perhaps not have the success that we're used to and survive. And I know it's too early and all the rest of it, but the only person I think that could probably wear that and get uh, get the patience from the board and the supporters it was, would, would be Frank Lampard and possibly Jody Morris, Liam. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why it appeals, not just on an emotional level, but there is there is also logic to it. You know, I mean, Lampard as a character um, not only is intelligent enough to to know how to tap into the emotions of the fans, he's he's always had that as a player and, and now as a, and a, man, a manager, but he's also always been savvy enough politically um, to, you know, convey himself in the right way to different people to manage relationships both up and down and if you look at that on paper that is probably the blueprint of a coach who could not just survive but maybe thrive at, at, at Chelsea um, but the the worry you have is that he's he's so early on into his yeah. coaching career I mean the, the early signs are, are quite positive at Derby you know I don't think we should go overboard they're not top of the championship by a mile but he's that that team has shown promising flashes, not just in the results they've had, but the way they play as well. Um, what does he play, Liam? Just, sorry, what does he play? Is it? Uh, just, well, I mean, uh, it's, it, it, it's it's kind of a. I, I'm pretty sure the times I've seen them, they've played a four-three-three. Yeah. Uh, that that is quite possession focused, but it's you know they they, they do. They press. They play at a high intensity. They've got quite a young, technical, young team. I, I like I like the midfield that they've had for the majority of this season. Obviously, with Mason Mount and Harry Wilson, I really like as a player as well. Um, and it, you know, and obviously the appeal to vast swathes of, of Chelsea Twitter would be not just Lampard and, and Morris as, as names and figures, but the fact that you know you you would imagine they would be far more open to. To, to kind of opening up the pathway to the academy, um, and that and that would be interesting, and maybe just what Chelsea need in in an age when, as as Chidge says, they're not the biggest spenders anymore. Um, but even aside from the coach, I think what 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 Chelsea faced this summer is is the challenge to to maybe do what they did in I think the summer of 2012. Where they, you know, they just won the Champions League, but they, everyone at the club was smart enough to realise what, what kind of a fluke that was, really, what kind of a, a Cinderella story, 
you know, and that that team was at the end of its cycle. And I think they did a really good job of, of building a, a new team. Hazard arrived, Oscar arrived um, around Mata. Obviously, Louise had been there about six months and that suddenly the core of a new team emerged. Um, and that really has been the core of the team that survived until now. It's kind of had a five or six year cycle. And now they find themselves in a position where they have to do that again. Whether they do it from the through the transfer market or the academy, they have to find a way to be probably the one of the smartest clubs in the Premier League because they're not they're no longer the best resourced. And they're probably one of the dumbest clubs at the moment, I think, but there you go. I mean Jonathan, I think Liam makes a really good point there, and I get this feeling that we are uh, we, we are probably in need of a seismic change. And I mean, you know, you remember last week I, I, I touched on this a little bit, didn't I? I said that, yeah. you know, really, given the state that we're in, you know, we're not, I mean, we're, we're the, I think we're the fourth, currently the fourth or able, you know, the fourth biggest spending club. I mean, we can't compete with United City and Liverpool in spending terms now. We shouldn't compete with Arsenal either because they have more money. It's just they don't spend it. And Spurs, while they may well have more money to spend because of the new stadium are unlikely to spend it either. So, you know, our natural position, because it actually does work out like this, you know, how much you spend it tends to determine, not always, I know that, but it tends to determine where you finish in the league. So we really should at the moment be hitting fourth. But, you know, with the caveat that if we screw it up a little bit, we'd probably be fifth or sixth. That's kind of where we are at the moment. But something big needs to happen. And I, I kind of agree with Liam, Jonathan. You can, we can't go and spend, you know, millions and millions and millions like Roman did when he came in. But there's no reason why we can't, you know, spend judiciously by a couple of world-class players, which we need, try and keep hold of some of our best players, you know, get more youth in there if they're good enough and add that to the existing good and experienced players. So you get a balance of that. That's that's kind of a sensible way forward, isn't it? Well, they've got to get it right, though, haven't they? Because three of the previous pur- purchases, Bakayoko, um, Batshuayi and Maratta, um, who've all, what is it, it's come to about 190 million, um, uh, have all been, you know, they're all out on loan, for goodness sake. So, I mean, that's absolutely bizarre. How have they got that so wrong? That the, these, these supposed top players have, have, have not been able to fit into the system at all. I just haven't been good enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I uh, you'd have thought that the academy would be the route forward, wouldn't you? But it, it's, it's, it, it, you know, if this was 1963, they'd all have been in immediately. Um, yeah. And the doc, the doc would have forged them into this great youthful side, and everybody would even with under Busby's Busby babes, the, Busby's babes, they were a wonderful youthful side, and they, they then even the the class of '92 from United. Yeah, it, and seventy-five for us, mate. Eddie McCready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a there is precedent, um, but it's um, it's it's certainly a, uh, it's it's we're, we're really on the cusp of having to do something, or as you say, um, finishing fifth or sixth regularly, um, and that just doesn't fit the business plan at all. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say that mate because I think I think somewhere along the line here unless he spends, you know, 500 million or more like now and buys the best players that we can yeah. and I just don't see that happening. Something has to happen more organically and I think it will take time and that means a lot of patience. It probably means a few trophyless years. It means no Champions League football. And I think if we had the right people in place and I think that would basically just be Frank Lampard. I don't see any other manager really getting to getting the patience from the supporters, yeah. let alone yeah. the owner. 
but that's all fine. But, do they but it doesn't hit. It doesn't meet the business model, does it? Because the business isn't going to wear Absolutely. not winning trophies and, and 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 being out of the Champions League, is it? It's just not going to wear it. So I just don't know where we go from here. No. It's impossible to work out, but isn't I it? I don't know if they're allowed. They're so following the uh, the fair play, aren't they? The um, the business fair play set up. Chelsea supposedly. I don't know if anybody else is properly because haven't City aren't City under investigation because they've they've done something. There's an element of skullduggery involved allegedly with uh, with how they've 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 used something that there was their own firm anyway as an example of them um, of breaking even um, uh, and they're under investigation from UEFA. But apparently nothing's going to happen. I'm, Liam, you know more about that than than, than me. Um, but I. I uh, uh, I, 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 it's it's a it's a very delicate time, isn't it? Really, as to as you say, Chidge, um, uh, Frank Lampard will be the perfect person to appoint because the 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 from a crowd point of view, because the the fans would go, he he can have time, and he's Jody knows the youth, as you said, but uh, it, it would do the club care about the fans? Do the club no. care at all about any reaction? <laughs> no. no, it's absolutely cheap. So, so therefore, um, um, it, once again, it's up in the air. You know what? We, it would. I'd love, I'd love a Bramvich to come in and say, okay, right, I'm going to. You're all out. We're going to try and balance the books, but we'll buy five hundred million pounds worth of players. But that ain't going to happen, though, is it, Chidge? So, what, no. are we going to have another summer of uncertainty? And, and, and muddle along as we have this year, in which case I think there'll be meltdown. There's meltdown from the fans anyway. It'll get even worse. Um, but, you know, uh, once again, if they do a decent, they appoint somebody decent. I don't think these players, I know they're not, as, they're not anywhere near the world-class lot that we had when we won the Champions League and before that, but there's some decent players there who have, have won the Premier League in the past few years. So yeah. perhaps somebody could come in and, and make them play to that level again, you know. Spot on, um, Liam. Uh, you know what? Where, where do you you know where do you think we're going? What, what is going to happen? And just to throw another one in is is Zidane, who's been uh, mentioned in dispatches. Is, is that a good idea? Uh, well, I think Zidane barely speaks any English, so so that's that's a um, no then. <laughs> that, that, that's one big problem. Unless he addresses that, I, I I see that being a fairly significant stumbling block. I mean, Zidane is kind of the most tantalising question. In the, in the global coaching market right now because he succeeded in such a... He succeeded so spectacularly in such a unique environment for a coach. Real Madrid is not like any other club in the world. It's probably unmanageable for a conventional manager coach. Anyone who wants any kind of degree of control or or being able to put put their own stamp on things. And I think he got... He had a supremely talented squad of players and got them to, you know, well, not, not necessarily uh, achieve great things week in and week out because they weren't great in the league, but he got them to peak for the big occasion by being a kind of facilitator and a very savvy politician in terms of how he, how he managed his relationships with the dressing room and, and with Florentino Perez. Now, maybe that could work at Chelsea, but... It's, I think there's no reason why Zidane would be any less of a risk than than someone like Sarri, given the number of questions that that still exist around him. Um, I don't think there are any. I don't think there are any clear clear answers out there in the, in the market. And you know, one thing I, I meant to say earlier was that 
if you do sack Sarri, because he was such a different appointment to, to the majority of the people you've brought in before, do you then find it difficult? You know, I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that Chelsea could find it difficult to appoint another big-name coach because money always talks, and if they're willing to throw enough money, at least at the coaching vacancy, I think they could get a pretty pretty big name. But do you get another project coach? You know, do you, do you get someone else who has the aspirations to build something? Because if you, if you got Sarri in under those pretenses and then sack him within about eight months, what does that say to anyone else who might have similar aspirations? It, it probably says to them that Chelsea isn't the club for you. And that, that is what I think is, is really difficult about this situation, is that it may well be that Sarri legitimately is the wrong fit for Chelsea, but what kind of message does sacking him send to the kind of people that you might want to appoint? But I think I think there's a caveat to that, Liam, and that is that if you are a project manager, then you should know what you need to make your project work. And therefore, you don't take the job unless you have a guarantee from the club that they are going to put in place the tools that you need to make that project work. And I think, you know, Sarri was on record earlier in the season saying, I'm not interested in the transfer market at all. And also, I can I can improve players, so I'll work with what I've got. And that's clearly completely not true. You know, and we've all worked out that he doesn't have the tools that he needs. And there is an element of sympathy for him about that. So if you're a project manager, you don't take the job unless you get what you need, in my view. Well, I, th- I think there's probably an element with Sarri in that he, he wasn't necessarily experienced enough to know what he needed and what he didn't need. You know, he, he, he might have genuinely believed coming in what he said that, oh, it, it, it will only take one on one or two new players to be able to play my football and and maybe he did think that this group of players were far more adaptable than they've actually proven to be. Um, so that, mm. that, that's another element to all of it, is people can make promises in good faith coming in, which, uh, which they late, later realise they can't deliver on, because you don't really know what the situation is until you're in it. That's a very good point. Um, right, uh, Jonathan, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, not really, no. I, I, I just think that Ultimately, we'll, uh, we'll, as you say, if we get humiliated in the League Cup final, um, or even if we lose 2-0 and don't look as if we're making much of an effort and then lose to Spurs, and then, if he's still in a job, then lose to Fulham, um, then I think that's going to be the end of it. I don't know how they can possibly uh, keep it going. They'll just sink further and further down the table. Um, Well, I, I think, you know, picking up on the point that you and I were both making about Actually, it's the business model that wags the football performance tail these days. Um, That's why they'll act. And I think, I mean, irrespective of all of our lofty intellectual arguments about the granular detail of all of this, I think the the club are quite simple. If you don't finish in the Champions League, you get fired. If we think you're not going to finish in the Champions League, you get fired. And that's been the case since Mourinho, first time round. So... Well, apart from poor old uh, Ancelotti, who got fired for not making the semi-finals, but there you go. <laughs> but, the, the but you know, that, that's it, isn't it? Still a carrot of the uh, um, Europa League, isn't it? But of winning it, you could then end up in the. Uh, um, perhaps they might hang on to see whether how he does in the Europa League. But it, that's such a. If they're playing appallingly, it's unlikely that they 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 keep him in the uh, involved with the club if. Uh, if it doesn't look as if they're going to progress even in the Europa League, because it gets more and more difficult, as we know. So, 
well, well, it does. There's some good teams coming up. But, I mean, God help us if they decide to keep him if he wallops Malmo tomorrow but loses horribly to City and Spurs. I mean, that's just nuts. But anyway, we will cross that bridge next week when we talk about it on Monday. Uh, but anyway, in a minute, in fact, the next two parts, uh, it's going to be very email heavy. Uh, and actually, most of the emails this week are a really interesting balance and reflection of what we've been talking about in, in many respects, plus a, a few kind of random ones thrown in. So uh, don't go away. Uh, people work very hard to write them and commit their thoughts, and there'll be a lot of argument and debate about that as well, no doubt. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, uh, I am, of course, Ch- uh, Stanford Chidge. I almost forgot who I was then. It's been that kind of a night. And uh, you are, as I said, listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We're now in uh, part three. And uh, normally we talk about something, you know, a bit more kind of thematic, as it were. Uh, I mean, I would have done, for example, talking about Malmo this Thursday and what we think of that or another big issue. But uh, we've been bombarded. I mean, bombarded with emails. And I, I did quip last week that... You know, when when the going gets tough at Chelsea, the Chelsea peeps are very voluble in what's going on. And that does result in a lot more uh, engagement with us and emails. And this week is no exception. So the next two parts are dedicated to your sterling efforts at sending us some great emails. The first one of which uh, was actually written before the United game. I picked this up on Facebook last week. 
by a great lad called Phil Edgar. Now, I, I should put this into some sort of context for you because uh, Phil um, arose from uh, from nowhere, really, on Facebook and messaged me. And I'd just been to see um, a gig of Brian Downey, who, who was the old uh, Thin Lizzy drummer who's got a new band, and they basically just play a load of Thin Lizzy tracks. And I went to see them in London with a, with a really good mate of mine uh, live, and they were brilliant. And anyway, at the, about the same time, I, well, Phil got in touch, and I, I, he is one of the guitarists for that band, and so, declared his undying love for Chelsea. He's a massive Chelsea fan, all that. So I, I nearly went to another gig of his. He asked me to go to another gig. I couldn't make it. So we've kind of kept in touch since then. He's a really good lad, and hopefully I'll get to see them play again. Really good night out, by the way, um, if you ever fancy a good night out. Uh, and uh, they're great musicians. Anyway, Phil says, Chidge, man, these Sari apologists are driving me wild here. I apologise in advance for the nappy-shitting rant. If you hire a chef to work in your metaphorical restaurant, and apparently he makes a beautiful metaphorical spaghetti bolognese, but the metaphorical kitchen is filled with bacon, pasta shells and carbonara sauce, anyone with an iota of sense would make pasta carbonara. It's fucking ludicrous to try and make spaghetti bolognese. That's how I feel about this whole subject. As you know, playing with Brian Downey, we play Lizzie and we play it well. That's what we know. We have the correct equipment and skills to deliver the goods on a nightly basis. But we would suck so bad if our manager made us go out on stage trying to play Dizzy Rascal songs or Spice Girls back catalogue. It wouldn't take us long to down tools and begin to think he was a fraud. You've got to make the best of what's in your hands. I've hated this hipster Sarri ball bullshit since the summer. The squad's not good enough to play his brand of football, apparently. Really? Well, in that case, fuck his brand of football. As you're well aware, these players have won an FA Cup and a Premier League in the past two seasons. What has Sarri done in his career? Never mind the past two seasons. Tony Glover is right. Even when we aren't getting humiliated, I find his brand of football incredibly boring. Beautiful football, my ass. My heart hasn't warmed to him at all. In fact, I think he's a stubborn prick. He's a very close second to the fat Spanish waiter for guys I hate managing my football club. Maybe I'll look back on this message in three years' time, just after lifting the Champions League trophy with Sarri at the helm, and feel embarrassed about this message, but I sincerely can't wait to leave dispense with. I don't have any Chelsea friends. You're the closest thing I've got. So again, apologies for the rant. Currently in Amsterdam on tour with the lads. Hopefully make it to London soon and we can discuss this over a pint. Peace, love and respect. Keep the blue flag flying high. Phil Edgar. Uh... A cracking email, and uh, we have... Oh, there we go. Fancy Tony Glover piping up on Mixler saying, brilliant email, brilliant. I wonder why that is, Jonathan. <laughs> I can't think why. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, we covered most of those points, didn't we, earlier on, uh, and, and agree with some of them, that's for sure. But, uh, Phil, like many, I mean, actually, that, that's a good kind of uh, barometer of how a lot of, a lot of supporters are feeling like now. Pretty pissed off, Jonathan, but there we go. Who's the next one from? It's from Wesley Feast, FBIS. Hey guys, firstly, thank you for bringing such an honest and candid diagnosis of all things Chelsea FC. It means a lot for me being from Canada and not being about to get to any matches or be around many like-minded fans. My concern about the club has grown since the second appointment of Jose. Looking from afar, it seems like Chelsea do not want to adapt to the ever-changing landscape of the EPL. The Sarri appointment was a breath of fresh air, and I was hugely excited about the prospect of him bringing in a more attacking style of football. I personally feel that the Sarri out calls are premature, even after the defeat to City. That defeat hurt, but the way this team have played this season, I was not entirely surprised. 
it almost looked like the team has got worse under Sarri's system. Yeah, I think they have. The spacing between the midfield and backline is growing larger, and teams, i.e., Bournemouth, City, Arsenal, were able to beat us on the break time and again. Alonso and Luis have been very poor on many occasions this season. I'm unsure why they continue to be chosen. I understand that Sarri likes his passing ability, but he's been a poor defender for most of his career, which is why we sold him originally. I would like to see Christensen and Rudiger at the back instead, seeing as they're more reliable. Any thoughts on this? Secondly, Sarri was not set up for success by the board. He was brought in far too late to be able to get a proper pre-season with the team. Pep and Klopp's first seasons were both struggles for them too, and I believe Sarri needs more time. If we're going to try something new, we have to actually give it a fair shot. My next concern is around our summer transfer window. It is time to move on from many of our more senior players, Luis Alonso, William Pedro, and allow Hazard to go. He may be one of the best players in the world, but he's been a loyal servant to the club, and if Real comes calling, we can't fault him for wanting to go. A few players I'd like to see come in potentially as replacements would be Berardi from Sassuolo, Pacey Young and is a proven goal scorer with a team that doesn't have as much else around him, Delight from Ajax, extremely talented young man who looks the real deal, Yuri. So can I can I butt in there, Jonathan? Yeah. Is that is that kid from Ajax's first name Afternoon? Oh, very clever, very clever. Shall I sing it? Afternoon. Yes. Night. <laughs> um, I think probably, Sorry, I, I couldn't, couldn't resist. resist. But everybody's been, you know, it, we will. Everybody has been linked with him. You know, all right, it's fair enough. But um, Yuri Tullemans at Monaco, very hard working with a cannon of a shot. Something we need badly. He may even be available on the cheap if they go down this season. Thanks for your time, boys. Wesley, uh, good. You see, it's an interesting view, isn't it? You know that perhaps Sarri will be there. Perhaps he needs to be given time. You know, this is. This is something we may have to deal with. Um, you know, he wasn't given a pre-season. The board may say, well, no, hang on, you know, um, we're going to get rid of everybody. We've discussed this. We've discussed this. But, um, yeah, there's some good players. They've got a very good scouting system at Chelsea. It's not as if there's just, it's not Mar- uh, Marina making it all up. There is a whole setup. So they're being fed these players. Um, it's just a question of, it's availability, isn't it? It's whether they want to leave. It's whether somebody else wants them. Unfortunately, we don't quite have the same clout that we had when we won the Champions League and Eden Hazard said, yes, I want to join them because they've just won the Champions League. And I think that contributes also to our inability to get the top players or even to to spot the the top players. And perhaps the scouting system isn't good enough. Um, As once again, I'll quote, you know, Batshuayi, Morata and um, Bakayoko. But Bakayoko apparently is playing magnificently because he now knows how to trap the ball and uh, and pass it. So perhaps he's going to come back and be our great star for next year. Not anyway. Uh, Alan, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think, Liam? About Bakayoko? Or? Well, well, I, I mean, generally, I think we've done the whole salary to death thing, and I mean, just to reiterate it, you know, if it, I just don't think you can manage in the Premier League by not adapting to the opposition or taking account of their strengths and weaknesses, I just think that's foolhardy. But I must admit, I don't agree with you, Wesley, about um, Alonso and Louise. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think they can defend it. They proved it. Uh, they proved it many times in their career at Chelsea. But uh, what about all these kind of? I mean, to be really, I mean, I, I'm not a bit. Of, I'm not a geek, Liam. So I, I've not heard of. I mean, I've heard a little bit about Delight, but not the others. So you know, is 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 it going down the right route? 
Well, I think it's the kind of age profile of player that Chelsea need to get back to signing. And um, and Pulisic was at least a, a sign that they are prepared to go back down that road. I mean, that was what Chelsea did so well between 20, 2012 and 2015, I would say, was they, they signed players between the ages of about 20 and 25. Um, they, they were famously, you know, way ahead of the curve on the rise of Belgium as a talent centre. Um, not just with Hazard, but obviously getting De Bruyne and Courtois for amazing fees and, and getting Lukaku in as well. I know they didn't maximise that edge they had, but they certainly got the talent in the door. Um, and and it feels like Chelsea got away from that during Mourinho's second spell where they they realised they, they it almost seemed like they made a decision of this is the core of our team. We're just going to patch around it now. Um, and sign players that we think fit, and they've been doing that ever since. Really, the only the only core player that had that had arrived after that until last summer was Kante, and that was with the help of a, a very um, friendly release clause from Leicester. So they 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 kind of got out of the business of signing um, players who were on their way up, and sort of bound for stardom and they need to get back to that and but the the other part of it is if you're if you're out of the Champions League for two straight years how appealing are you to to this group of players I mean the league is playing in the Champions League this year for Ajax he's got by all accounts every major club in Europe is looking at him he's going to have better options than Chelsea realistically I mean just seen Frankie de Jong who's the other majorly hyped youngster from Ajax has just gone to Barcelona for the best part of 80 million euros, I think. Um, so Chelsea are not going to be top of these players' lists increasingly the longer they go without um, without being a Champions League team, the longer they go from really being relevant at the top of the Premier League, these are the problems they'll encounter. All the more reason, therefore, to focus on the next uh, Belgian as a you know great football centre which would be the England youth, many of whom have already you know, won stuff with Chelsea in the academy. That'll run and run, that one. Right, uh, next email uh, from Alan Smith. Uh, he says, Hi, guys. Greetings from Brisbane, Australia. Uh, love the podcast. Totally hooked. Even enjoyed the post-mortem after the Man City game. Uh, now, speaking as someone who has watched a lot of bad Chelsea performances over the last half century, I cried my eyes out at the 67 FA Cup final against Spurs. I can recall a lot of terrible performances. How about losing 6-2 at home to Southampton, 3-0 at home against Notts Forest, and 7-2 at home against Leeds United? All of these were in the late 60s to the early 70s. Our latest debacle are nothing new. But here's a thought. Uh, Just about every tweet I read, every Blues fan I speak to here in Australia or, or online seems to be putting our woes down to a dichotomy. Is it Sarri's fault or the players? Is it possible there's a third option? That sometimes a particular combo doesn't work, or even doesn't work at first, but has potential and takes time and a bit of tweaking before it does. I think you guys on the panel have it as right as anyone, that it's a mismatch between Sarri Ball and a team designed for Conte Ball, if we can call it that. Um, Let's be fair to Sarri. He didn't join the club under uh, false pretenses. They brought him in knowing how he coached and what Sarri Ball was, and yet they made no plans to make the best of his abilities as a coach. 
When you have a team wedded to the Conte style of practical play and expect them to metamorphose into a Sarri ball side, you would be amazingly stupid to expect it to happen overnight. It's a bit akin to hiring a top-quality truck driver to move your furniture using a Lamborghini sports car, then calling him a fuckwit when the moving isn't done efficiently and the car a heap of junk because you can't fit your sideboard in it. For the Blues to be back on the uh, back at the top, you need a combo of tactics and players suited to each other. Therefore, one of the three things. Uh, for, therefore, one of three things have to happen. Viz, a sack Sarri and get a manager whose style is suited for the players we have. This is probably what will happen, but it's hardly Sarri's fault if it does. Or b give Sarri the players he needs, suited to Sarri ball, and give him a fair chance. He might fail, but then at least would have credibility calling him a loser. Or c get some mediation going. Except that this is that this season has gone and put all resources into building for the future. Sarri's situation is hardly unique after all. Remember Pep's first season as Man City manager. Have a plan to be up where Liverpool and City are now by the uh, by April the two uh, 2020. This means gradually replacing underachievers. I might mention Barkley, Drinkwater, not Alonso, who still has potential to adapt. Keep hold of Higuain and, if possible, Hazard. Read the right act to the players and remind them that a bit of loyalty and commitment now might well pay great dividends in 18 months. In the next transfer window, splash out on a few superstars who are suited to Sarri Ball. And finally, let's accept that things are not quite as black as many Blues fans seem to think. I recall watching them in the second division. The current team are in line for three trophies, uh, make that two, uh, including a guaranteed runner-up spot at worst in one, and are certain to finish in the top half of the table. If Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Fulham or Cardiff had a season like that, they'd be issuing commemorative plates and playing the man- paying the manager a bonus. Sorry for this ultra-long ramble. Blues forever, Alan Smith. Jonathan, what do you think of that? I like the Lamborghini and uh, uh, being a removal fan. I like that very much because it fits beautifully with making the the pasta in the kitchen, doesn't it? So we've got two... Yes. Two different images here with the, the wrong bolognese with the carbonara. Yeah. And you wonder whether, in fact, you could also start making the carbonara in the Lamborghini sports car and to uh, yeah. whether that would uh, would cause a problem. Um, but uh, um, yeah, once again, it's, you know, it's the they're, 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 uh, they're three different views, aren't they? They're, which we, which mm. we've been debating. So, um, mm. you know, um, yeah, good, decent stuff, decent stuff, as always. As always, we could just read these out and not bother with the with the the fan cast. I should have done that tonight. We had yeah, enough. Exactly. Never mind. Ken- Next Kendall week. Douglas. Evening to all the great Chelsea fan cast. Hello. Hope you're all doing well. I'll try and keep this short. After the Bournemouth defeat, I was angry. After both Manchester defeats, I'm not angry. I'm annoyed, frustrated, or even sad. There's no words to. Oh, hang on. I'm not angry, annoyed, frustrated, or even sad. There's no words to describe the feeling other than I can compare it to being broken up with over a text message, just numb. At the beginning of the season, I was hopeful with bringing in a new coach, as well as Kovacic, Jorginho and Kepa. However, I now feel like all the new manager manager excitement is gone. Watching these past matches, Malmo being the exception, has felt the same as the final season under Mourinho. That being said, which do you all feel is the big issue with the club? Is it the players? He disappeared again. Oh, dear. We lost the connection. When did I fit my back? Hello? 
That was really weird. It, it all disappeared for a minute. Uh, where where, I, get... I don't remember where you were. I don't remember. I'll go back. Um... Go back to uh, oh. go back to. I feel feel like it's a mixture of all of them. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Just numb. Oh no, no, I, I haven't got there yet, Judge. Um, all right. We're... Watching these go. past matches, Malmo being the exception, has felt the same as the final season under Mourinho. That being said, which do you all feel is the bigger issue with the club? Is it the players? Is it the tactics, which ends up leaving teams far too much space lately? The substitutions, which everyone and their dog can predict? Or is it higher up at the board level, finding banded solutions instead of fixing problems? I feel like it's a mixture of all of them. It's almost as if the perfect storm is hammering Chelsea and the fans are left in astonishment as we struggle to get results. I feel like JK, that all we needed was a striker to get the system rolling. But it appears there are more issues than the man up top. Yes, I've, I've been found wanting there, uh, Kendall, you're right. There, thanks again for continuing to put out a great show every week. I always look forward to listening at work since it makes the time fly past. And a special thank you to Chidge for helping me with my essay. Your words helped to save my grade. All the best up the chest. What did you do, Chidge, with his essay? Well, that's a good. I forgot all about that, but uh, I, um, I do remember that Kendall actually emailed me. He was doing a dissertation or something. It was obviously about football, and he just pinged a few questions over to me. I said, "Look, I'm, 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 you know, happy to do that." And I pinged off some answers, and clearly, whatever I said worked. So I'm delighted to have helped you out, oh, Kendall. Please. No problem at all, mate. Yeah, so there you go. The, um, the striker for a second. I still, I think that um, he'll score on Thursday. I think he'll play him, and he'll score. Um, I think he'll score several. Because I think that's the kind of environment where he'll, he'll they'll do well with him. But no, it hasn't been. He hasn't been the talisman that I thought he'd be. So, uh, but he hasn't taken the two chances. He had two chances in the first fifteen minutes against United, and he didn't didn't take them. So, uh, and it's on those fine margins. Yeah. It is indeed. I mean, Liam, what do you think of Higuain? I mean, should we be surprised? I think he's been all right. Um, it, you know. The thing that came to mind when that deal was completed and then they immediately got smashed by Bournemouth on his debut was that it was uncannily similar to Chelsea bringing in Giroud um, at this stage last season. And by the time Giroud was actually fit and acclimatised to the team, the, the season was all, already well and truly on the way to being derailed. And it it was just a little bit too little too late. And I, I, I get the feeling that Higuain is actually you know, a, a pretty good fit, but at the wrong time. I think if he'd, I yeah. think if he'd been there at the start of the season when they started quite confidently, um, Hazard was on fire, I think he could have helped them reach another gear and, and this season might have, you know, followed, taken a very different course. But he, as it is, he's come into a team mid-season when, when actually he's he's searching for confidence himself because he had a, a very poor six months at Milan by his standards. Um, and he, he scored a couple of goals and had some nice moments. I thought he was actually pretty good against City. It would be completely forgotten because Chelsea were destroyed at the other end. But I thought Higuain actually had a very good game or at least a very good first yeah. half. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. But, he, you know, it, it just feels like um, an aging, you know, accomplished striker transplanted onto a malfunctioning team, like a bit of a sticking plaster, like Giroud was last year. And it's, it, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. It helps a little bit, but it's a, a little bit too little, too late, I think. 
Mm, okay, good stuff. Right, uh, last email of this part from Adam Bassett. Uh, he says, Hi, Chidge. Thanks for reading out my email last week. I've avoided, I avoided getting sweary last week, but that didn't seem to work. So here goes. Ready, Tony? You'll like this. Uh, I get everything is shit at the minute. Uh, or at least it feels that way. The players are shit. The manager is shit. The board is shit. You get the picture. I don't want to talk about the team today. I've just got back from the Matthew Harding upper and it was an absolutely horrible atmosphere. I genuinely couldn't believe how vicious the reaction to Sarri was. The fuck Sarri ball chant was a particular low, but jeering a sub ran it close. I was really disappointed. I know you've talked about the Arsenalification of Chelsea on the pitch, but that was proper North London bullshit. At least they waited 10 years before turning on the manager. The lack of patience with Sarri is a joke. When he eventually gets his P45, I wonder how long before these fans turn on the next manager, especially if he dares to try and enact Roman's vision. If you hadn't talked about it already, I would like to know I would like to know if you think that's a fair take on the situation and how it might change. Still owe you that beer, Adam. What do you think, Jonathan? Well, he actually wrote, I can't believe how viscous the reaction to Sarri was. But I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think, I, he, he did. I think you meant, I think vicious was correct. But I like the idea of uh, viscosity with Sarri, as if we're all sort of uh, in treacle. Melting. Treacle, yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, but that's a good view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's come from another another angle. I love it. I love this. You know, it's um, you've got, um, you've got uh, Tony. Hello, Tony. Um Hating uh, him, talking about him being a fag-eating tramp, and you've got people going. I think this isn't what we want. I don't want this. I don't want to experience this. So, um, you know, every we've got a lot of different fans thinking different things, which is uh, which is which is fine. You know, good for it. Let's see. But it, it once again, it's completely out of our hands. We can only observe and just you know make our minds make them. Um, we can't make we can make our minds up, but it's not going to have any effect on it at all, is it? So. Well, like I said, I didn't join in with it, but I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I did chuckle. But I, I, I do think that it's, it's uh, uh, with my psychotherapist hat on for a minute, um, I think that it's born not just out of uh, an absolute hatred of Sarri, because, you know, that, that, that's where it's different from what happened with Rafa. We just hated Rafa. We never wanted him at the club, and every minute he was there offended our, our eyes and our sensibilities. But I think that... Uh, Sarri is a useful target and scapegoat for the myriad of issues that are going that are wrong at the club at the moment. Uh, so, whilst I think he does deserve, you know, a lot of stick for for his intransigence and his his inability to adapt or change, which is infuriating, which means we lose matches needlessly and waste players needlessly. I think he deserves everything he gets for that. But I don't think he's the he should be the sole focus. I mean, some of the players deserve it. The board absolutely deserve it more than anybody else. Uh, as does Roman. You know, he shouldn't go un, unscathed as well. And I think really what you're seeing is a, is an articulation of supporters' complete and utter frustration and disconnect with the club. And I mean, this is a a subject we've talked about really for the last year or two. So many people that we know. Certainly, in my generation, I suppose, have never felt such a disconnect from the club and a lack of engagement. And if you want more evidence of this, you just have to spend 10 minutes on Twitter to see the absolute, you know, meltdowns and people at each other's throats over the slightest thing. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of division around at the moment, I'm afraid. And that that's certainly that's true inside the stadium as it is outside. And I'm afraid poor old Sarri is the easiest target there. So I think that's why he got it. 
last night. Right, great emails to kick us off with. We've got even even better ones, or dare I say it, in uh, the last and final part of the fancast tonight, which will be coming up very shortly. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com for uh, written kind of versions of what we do on here. So some of them are good too. Right, uh, I've never done this before, uh, but uh, I've I've entitled this the email of the week because I think it is. It's quite... uh, I I nearly cried when I read this. I was moved. I was moved. And I'm never really moved by the emails. Uh, Sometimes I've been moved to tears because they've been so funny, but never emotionally have I been touched by an email like this. And it is from Adam Brocklehurst. And he says, Dear Chidge, JK, and anyone anyone else who's unfortunate enough to be discussing what we've just witnessed tonight and over the last few weeks. I've begun writing this on the Victoria line, heading back north after tonight's game. I can't wait to move out of Tottenham territory where I am at the moment, but hey-ho, you go where the rent's cheap in modern London. With tonight's match still fresh on my mind, I can't help but feel genuinely a little bit heartbroken. Uh, not only because of what's happened on the pitch, when you scratch uh, ever so slightly, be- sorry, I've completely rewritten, re- right, not only because of what's happened on the pitch, but because of what was heard in the stands tonight and what that really says about our club when you scratch ever so slightly below the surface. Chance of you don't know what you're doing, you're getting sacked in the morning and fuck Sarri Ball from the Matthew Harding end where I was, stood just where I was stood, just go to show the division that exists between our club and the fans. What was I just saying? Just not, not two minutes ago. Uh, the toxic atmosphere in the crowd tonight spells the end for Maurizio Sarri. It may not be tonight, but the blatant breakdown in the relationship between himself and the supporters uh, means his position is now untenable in the long term. So here we go again, spiralling into another managerial era at the football club, which will undoubtedly lead to decay. Who will get the job? Zola? Zidane? Has anyone still got Goose's number? My fear is it doesn't matter. Having watched this many times before, I'm resigned to feel that our football club will always circle right back to the position it is in now. We may see an upturn in our fortunes. We may win something next season. A couple of days out at Wembley and a Champions League qualification ahead of the 2021 season would feel fantastic at the moment, but the fatal flaws surrounding the mismanagement of Chelsea Football Club will see us right back in this position. What will cause it? Who knows? I could list the clichés of which we have so sadly seen them all over the last 15 years, but I won't, as we all know what these are. What I do know is that the one reason that won't spell the end for Chelsea's next managerial era is the manager being touted and poached for bigger clubs or more exciting projects a la Pochettino to United or Pep from Bayern to City. The core points I'm trying to make in this email is that the short-termism that runs our club is fundamentally flawed. It leads to both players and fans accepting the fate of the current situation far too quickly. Tonight was a great example. Results have not been good recently. As a 22-year-old man, last Sunday's result was literally the worst in my lifetime. He's talking about cities, uh, the 6-0, I think. Um, Because he says, in fact, stupid boy, Chidge. Anyway, however, in my mind, that's no excuse for what we saw towards the end of the match tonight. In the dying minutes, there was just one player who still seemed to care. 
Just one player who in stoppage time was willing to run 30 yards back to win the ball, then 30 yards forwards to try and create a goal, stopping in between to scream at his left back for not giving it his all for the cause, and instead just skulking or sulking more towards the number 10 position, watching a potential defensive threat develop without a care in the world. That player was Eden Hazard, a player who has publicly failed to commit his future to Chelsea, yet is willing to put blood, sweat and tears on the line for the shirt. He hasn't always been the first player to lead by example in tough situations, but he cared tonight and that was clear. Losing tonight hurt him and his pride. I'm not sure if this was the case for anyone else in blue. The player he stopped the player he stopped to scream at in the sequence was Marcus Alonso, who with the utmost respect should feel lucky to be at a club like Chelsea. Chelsea is by far the biggest club he will ever play for. Yet his, his lack of willingness to fight in the fading embers of our season tonight personified the rest of the team as a collective with Eden Hazard exempt. The reason why our players react like this is they know how the club operates. They know, how, uh, they know this is the end and they were acting like it. The players had given up and the fans could see this. Large sections of the crowd responded to this by singing the chants I opened this email with, therefore creating a direct link between the narrow-mindedness of the decision-makers at Chelsea and the toxic atmosphere that became all too obvious for the world watching tonight. We're the masters of our own shortcomings at Chelsea, and the only way this will change is a fundamental cultural change at the top end of this football club. I don't think that's possible under this regime, and so we may very well see it continue for another decade or two, and this is why I'm so genuinely devastated tonight. My feelings transcend one game or one manager. Sarri's tenure as manager will serve as a glowing example of the defective patterns Chelsea display in the selection, appointment and subsequent sacking of all managers in the Abramovich era. It's rare in football that you can pinpoint an exact moment where something bigger than a single goal has changed the entire direction of a manager, team or club. But it's clear to me the exact moment the Sarri ball experiment drew its final breath at Chelsea was, uh, was last night. I wanted this to work, and I still wish it would, but this moment just perfectly captured Sarri's arrogance and stubbornness to not move away from the stagnating pattern of play he has been trying so hard to implement in West London. 82nd minute substitution, Zappa Costa on for Aspilicueta. 4-3-3 expertly maintained on a night it just wasn't producing results. Deja vu. Despite the dissolution and sorrow I felt tonight, Staring out of the pitch after full-time wondering what's next at Chelsea, there will only be one place to be every other Saturday. Up the Chelsea, Adam. So what do you think of that, JK? I was moved by that. I think that was a fantastic email. It's great. It's great. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he's expressing all the fears that we've, we've been talking about, isn't he? Just very concisely. It's, um, it's, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a universal despair about what's going on at the moment and we just uh, um, you, you, I'm, I'm, I despair more that the, the, the club don't appear to, to do you think the club ever listened to any of this they, to look at Twitter, see any of the uh, um, the views of the fans I, I doubt it, I mean you would be more um, close to that wouldn't you Chid with being the chairman of the I, I, I think they're, they're, they're just not interested I, I don't, I can't answer that I mean, every time I've ever met them, they've been quite reasonable on the whole and perfectly personable people. But you know, do they, whether they tell you the truth or not, I can't. I can't say. I mean, you know, actions quite often speak louder than words. I think, um, Liam, do you, do you? I mean, we kind of touched on this uh, in the in the break. But do you, do you fear for the future of Chelsea? 
Um, I just think it's I just think it's more uncertain than it's ever been. Um, we've we've already talked about you know the amount of change that could happen with this squad, um, and will probably happen with this squad. Obviously, we don't know who the coach is, but to some extent, that's always been true of Chelsea. Um, and the the concerns about Abramovich, I think, are very very legitimate. Given the there's always been there's always been silence from the top of the club from him. He doesn't he doesn't like to talk, but equally there there have always been a steady stream of actions that that convince you that that he's in it for the long term and that you know I think whatever else is said about Abramovich, he has been occasionally to his detriment re- relentlessly ambitious in. Um, in wanting to win and in wanting to spend to win and I think in, in recent years there's been a steady decline in that and and no one really knows No, anyone who claims to know I think is just guessing whether that means he's no longer as committed as he once was you know we we don't know because he's so because he's he's almost a, he's a mute public figure I think a lot of people project what their own feelings about the situation onto him but no one, no one really knows. And in in the last couple of years, they seem to have lost their way in terms of the the football planning of the club as well. And there have been just more more bad decisions than good ones. And 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 it's created a a mess at every level of the operation now. So it's you get yourself into a situation where you you need a new you need a new coach, but equally you need a new sense of direction. You need a load of new players. And you're not necessarily going to be doing any of this from a position of strength because you, you could well be doing it having missed out on the Champions League for a second successive year. So fear for the club, I mean, it, it depends on your perspective, but certainly I think that there's very little that's that's certain about about things at Chelsea at the moment. All very worrying, really, isn't it? But uh, no doubt Jay, who's the next emailer, can cheer us up, Jonathan. No doubt, Chidge, no doubt. Here I go. Uh, 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 uh. Hi, all. Thanks for the show, which after tonight's result, I'm sure will be as cathartic as it was after the City defeat. I'm sure we'll have plenty of emails to read out. Oh, yes. Just a few thoughts after tonight's match and Sarri. First half we played OK, didn't deserve to be two down. I haven't seen the goals again. Both look like poor defending with plenty of cover back. Second half was just poor again as United sat in and we failed to break them down. So I guess we're all wondering where we go from here. For those who attack Sarri for playing Sarri ball, why would he change? Wasn't this the reason? Wasn't this the reason? (laughs) What was that? My false leg fell off. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, hang on. Oh, dear me. Uh, for those who attack Sarri for playing Sarri ball, why would he change? Wasn't this the reason that he was hired in the first place? And presumably, Roman was in favour of it. After all, you wouldn't buy a fridge. We're getting another image. I love it. <laughs> you wouldn't buy a fridge and, and complain that it didn't keep your food warm. That's great. So we've got the Lamborghini, we've got the kitchen, and then the fridge is in the kitchen with the uh, the bolognese. Good. Keeping the bolognese warm. Um, I'm just thinking been- you're feeling hungry. Yeah, I'm about to have pasta, actually. So I think it's working out rather well. Um, he's been tasked with changing our style of play from solid and defensive to swift and attacking, but without the toolkit to do it. Go back in the garage. Didn't he say it would take two years to develop it properly? Anyway, last night, our midfield looked too lightweight for the Prem. Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante simply don't have enough muscle. 
lining up against Herrera, Matic and Pogba. I agree. There's nobody gets leaves their foot in, is there? Nobody. Nobody other than Ampidou, and he's a bit too young. Sarri's not without blame, though, as he hasn't found a solution that works whilst he's developing his system fully. Why hasn't Kante been moved back into his natural position, even if it was just for the bigger games, to give the back four protection? Alonso and Luis can't play in a back four. Luis and Rudiger don't seem to be working as a pair. Substitutions like Zappa last night also don't help us, as fans understand his thoughts. Um, and if he substitutes Barkley and Kovacic again, they'll probably be pitch invasion. They probably will. <laughs> yes! <laughs> the, the players have a lot to answer for too. Although I understand, at least anecdotally, they're struggling with Sarri's complicated system of triangles and pass pathways. Here they are. However, this is the third time they've not delivered for three different managers, so they're not blameless. Although I've no axe to grind against him and hope he stays, Hazard lifting his skirt towards Real so often can't be helping team morale. It seems big changes are needed to break the cycle and the number of the squad are now at an age where they need to be moved on. So, will the club back their appointment and give him the time he wants to get it right? I don't think so. And if further poor results follow, our recent history would suggest that he doesn't make it past the end of the month. There'll be concerns around his style working in the Premier League and he's beginning to lose the fans. It also makes me wonder what due diligence the club did when they appointed Sarri, given the big change in style. I think they did. Did anyone meet with him and ask how he proposed to implement his system? It was Marina, wasn't it? How he saw the existing players fitting in to do it and into it, or how it was going to work against the top sides. Another manager change may be the short-term fix, but it puts the club further behind our rivals. Wastes money on compensation, stalls youth integration, means new systems of play, more player changes, etc. And is Zidane really the answer? Well, Zidane, to be honest, is just a name plucked out of the ether, isn't it? Really, The club needs a footballing direction rather than the constant knee-jerk reaction with changes in manager and styles. It needs to have an identity, a style of play that at senior level can be replicated at youth level, allowing talented young players at least an opportunity to be integrated into the full squad. I got the feeling this was starting to happen initially under Conte, but it seems a long way off now. No quick solutions, even if we sack Sari. So it feels like quite a concerning time for our club, given its position and the various factions. Having said that, wouldn't it be just like us to go and beat City on Sunday? Now, that would be proper Chelsea. As always, win or lose, up the blues, Jay. Well, yes, it would be proper Chelsea to beat City on Sunday, but... God, that seems so unlikely, doesn't it? Blimey. Um, um, it's yeah. a very good point, actually, about the, the youth. The youth not playing the system. If the youth are playing a completely different system and not Sarismo, how would they then find it easy to get in, to do it in the first team? It's almost as if, you, if you're going to implement one particular style, that ought to be replicated um, all the way down the club, shouldn't it, really? And they... And they you, would have, you would have thought, yeah. wouldn't you? A, a, la, a la Ajax, yeah. Barcelona... Yeah. Guess what, though, Jonathan? Guess where they are playing a very similar style to what our academies play? Norwich. Derby. Oh, yeah. Wonder why. Norwich are a good side, though. They pass the ball very quickly. Yeah, they do. But I mean, you know, because that's what I mean. That's another good reason for maybe thinking about Frank and and Jody because. You know, Jody, of course, coached the academy side, so I think he's trying to play a similar kind of system up How there. And it would make a lot of sense. How long's the con- their contract at Derby? 
Oh, they don't, they don't mean anything, mate. Wouldn't worry about that. Um, right before the next email, I've got I've got a very sneaky tweet to read out actually, for uh, from the lovely uh, Moniaki who's actually listening in here tonight. But he tweeted me sneakily, and I have to be looking at my Twitter while you were reading that, Jonathan. And he's just said, Uncle Chidge, uh, I'm sure you'll see this later in the week. Well, I saw it now. Uh, he says, I'm listening live, and I've got to tell you that Liam fella is pretty sharp. So there you go, Liam. Got some praise from Moniaki. Thank you, thank you. I'm not quite sure there what to go. say to that. There you go. You got you just, rendered him speechless, just, mate. Just wallow in it, wallow in it, Liam. <laughs> All right, I'm going to wallow in this next email. Uh, this uh, the way the cookie has crumbled tonight, Jonathan. I've got the really, really long one. So your voice and whatever you have to be voicing tomorrow will be very grateful. I'm working for the BBC uh, right. tomorrow, uh, Are oh, you now? Yeah. What are you doing for the beep? Yeah. What? What? You do? what are you doing for the oh, beep? BBC Earth, I'm doing. Oh, right, yeah. lovely. Right, uh, this is from Bob Jenkins, proper name that, or, or what was it the uh, the um, uh, Al Murray character would say, the pub landlord. Proper English name, Bob Beautiful Jenkins. Beautiful British name. Beautiful British name. Thank you, Liam. I knew I'd get there in the end. Right, I've been supporting Chelsea Football Club as an overseas supporter uh, for 16 years now, and I've never publicly called for a manager's head until Sarri. But to be honest... I was just as just as filled with utter frustration when AVB was at their helm. But even the likes of Scolari, AVB and Mourinho's final season was a bit tolerable because of all for all the frustration, there wasn't the inevitability in failure, as with this Sarri side. From the time the starting eleven gets announced and I see the capital A of Alonso staring back at me, I feel like I'm in the sunken place. It's like that nightmare we've all had as kids that we're falling down a black endless hole and this same nightmare rather keeps repeating itself. With previous bad seasons, there was a chance of the odd comeback, and to an extent, the week-to-week drama intrigued me. It was like watching a movie rooting for Jose to pull through or see if AVB's tactics made any sense. Watching Scolari fail was like watching your past-it uncle trying to use Snapchat filters. Conte, that's quite good, I like that. Conte just didn't care, so you could understand why things failed. It was almost an act of self-sabotage. But this time under Sarri, it's depressing no end because you know the inevitable procession is coming. From the fixed starting lineup to the meaningless possession to conceding the first goal from a counter-attack which Giorgino stroke Alonso are mostly culpable for and then finally not being able to come back. I now live in China and I get up at 3.30am to watch midweek games and stay up sometimes till 2am to watch weekend games. My girlfriend is often left wondering why do I torture myself if I know we're going to lose? Remember, when Chelsea could actually come back from going a goal down? Mm, nope. Uh, a later stoppage time winner would have, would have me sliding across my living room floor. This time I dare not even wish for a consolation goal. I, like many Chelsea supporters, although I didn't have a problem with our defensive style, was lured by the prospect of attacking flowing football by Sarri bringing his philosophy. But little did we know that we were get. But little did we know what we were getting uh, with Sarri. In hindsight, I'm not regretful we appointed Sarri because he has only proved to us how inflexible and arrogant he is as a manager. Though those who are Sarri in will point to the board, and yes, they share in the blame. Two hundred million worth of recent signings who are nowhere near the Chelsea lineup or bench. Our best youth player and best senior player possibly wanting out. Lack of players to suit the manager's system. Some of whom are on long-term contracts. The oldest and fastest declining wing force of Pedro and William. The board does share a huge piece of the blame. How about the players? I think too much is made of player power at Chelsea. Only about six players remain from the last Mourinho season. 
So are you telling me it's Hazard, William, Cahill and Aspie being negative influences all this time? I highly doubt it. I do blame the players, however, for the awful individual mistakes they make on the pitch. There are those who excuse Sarri by saying he doesn't have the players to suit his system, and that is completely true. But let me counter that with my main point of this email. Let's say, for argument's sake, we squeak into the Champions League, Sarri gets backed by the board, and Sarri ball is swashbuckling and operational. I'd still be sceptical about Sarri as a manager going forward. No great manager plays only one system, only one formation, the same lineup and the same substitution patterns with so much pride and arrogance that they are unwilling to change. Yes, if Sarri Ball works, we would definitely be better off next season, but when the biggest of games comes about, like a Champions League knockout game or an away game against a top six PL team, I can just imagine Sarri would make no changes to counter anything the opposition does. No scouting or pre-match preparation because his system apparently God's gift to football. The be-all and end-all of football systems. The cheat code to football. God's gift to football. I've said that already. I'll do that again. So God forbid we should try to adjust anything or learn a different formation or have different lineups or substitution patterns. Why do that if you're managed by the God of football systems? Even the greatest managers like Fergie and Pep, although they had a main system and a main formation, they were flexible enough to change things when they were trailing or had a tough away game. Pep Guardiola, who has won everything in football, has evolved his tick attacker, which was one of the most successful systems implemented. So who is Sarri to think he's above change? Many people, including the esteemed Gabriel Marcotti, say that Sarri was brought in to change the football, so it's impractical to change. But here's the thing. Nobody is asking Sarri to play suffer ball or part the bus. He just needs to make subtle changes that will go a long way while still playing an attacking brand of football. For example... Louise and Rudiger are too similar, both a bit aggressive, haphazard and don't read the game intelligently enough to cover. Christensen, though not perfect, is, better pairing, is a better pairing defender for Louise or Rudiger. Alonso, I love him, but he's a wing-back playing full-back and is desperately out of form. While Emerson isn't the second coming of Ashley Cole, he deserves more of a chance at this point just to get Alonso out of the firing line. Alonso has become as symbolic as Mourinho persisting with Ivanovic during his final season. Sarri said early in the season, Alonso is the best left fullback in Europe. So you could see why Sarri thinks dropping him leaves egg on his face, so in order to avoid the humble pie, he plays him every week. Something needs to change in the DM role. It doesn't necessarily have to be Kante, since he might not be a great ball player there. But how about Kovacic, who not only is tidy and safe with the ball, but is more robust, agile, quicker and defensively aware than Jorginho, who Sarri is again too prival to drop because Jorginho is Sarri's man? Dropping him would be a hurt to Sarri's inflated ego. When Ruben Loftus-Cheek is fit, he should be given more game time as he's the only midfielder with a goal-scoring gene in the squad. Instead, when he does play, Sarri plays him on the right wing. Barkley was a ferocious beast at Everton compared to Wayne Rooney, but Sarri has managed to transform him like a docile, obedient zombie whose sole purpose is to pass the ball safely a few yards sideways and even then... He gets that wrong at times. He's a long way from the driving, dribbling, net-busting Barkley we saw at Everton, and it has nothing to do with fitness. It's Sarri's instructions that are hindering him. Callum Hudson-Odoi. I'm not a play-the-youth brigader, but at this point, it's ridiculous how he hardly features to the point that Zappacosta is regarded over him as an attacking impact sub. Whether this is down to just Sarri or the ball punishing the player, I'm not sure, but it's not ideal. Substitution patterns? No need to elaborate. The bottom line is, Sarri is a stubborn, inflexible manager who, even with a brand new squad, 
would fail in the Premier League. We all know the likes of Mourinho is prideful, but he has sort of earned that right. Who is Maurizio Sarri? And what has he done to think he's above change? The better managers like Pep, Poch, Klopp are all flexible. Football has never remained constant. The game always changes, and without adaption, or a, yeah, adaption, you get redundant. Sarri out before it gets worse. I think, I think, I think Bob's not happy, Jonathan. I get that distinct impression. Um, I, I think, well, I think you read, you read it in a very ranty style, there, though, Chidge, didn't well, you? Well, that's how I, how it came across. You, you mate. went with it, though. You were you were inspired. I thought there. Actually. I was. I I'm was. I channeled my inner rant. Yeah, I, I was. I was. I'm not sure I'd have read it that way, actually. So. Um, uh, I'll read it again if you like. No, I won't. No, 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 no. no. We'll be here all night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I won't take that personally, by no, the way. No, I mean, I know no, you're the master and everything. But... Your, angle been, you know, your angle has been angry. It's been good. Do you know what, Jonathan? Next time we have to do it like this, the first thing I'm going to say is, Jonathan, what's my motivation yeah, for this? Yeah, email? I'll give you enough. Well, I think we should do it in different styles. You know, read it like. Read it like, read it like a pussy cat. A pussy cat, you know. You know, read it as if you're an elephant. You know, that would be, be fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, last one then, mate. Oh God, I've dropped me, dropped it again. Oh, what have you dropped? Your wooden leg. Your leg dropped off again. Bloody hell! Oh, oh, God, me. It's me. It's me. Um, me mouse. Me mouse. I keep dropping me mouse. Here we go. Here we go. It's the last one, and it's from. Here we go. It's from um, uh, uh, it's from Bob Jenkins. No, we've done that one. <laughs> we, we haven't got any more, Chidge. Oh, we've got Claire. We have. We've got, we've got Claire McConnell. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. You've put a Patreon bit in there, Claire. Hello, Claire. Um, Chidge, I've recently found myself having conversations with you in my head or out loud in response to things you've said on the podcast. Yes, I know. This is a bit alarming. That's very peculiar, actually, Claire. Um, to wit. That's a lovely way of saying this. Just now, when you were talking about former players who would have died for the club, and I said aloud, yes, fuck it, they would, fuck it. <laughs> I used to work as a therapist. Oh, were you, were you interpreting yourself, what you've been doing? Sometimes got visual images when clients describe their experiences, stroke feelings. I was thinking about our current squad going into the next few games and thought into the valley of death rode the 600. Hmm. Only our current 11 delicate little flowers will take one look at the opposition on the pitch and run screaming in the other direction. Anyhow, I wanted to give a shout out to my son, Tim, who is going to London on Tuesday. We'll see his first live games at the bridge, Malmo and Spurs. Well, we'll win Malmo, so we'll be happy then. And also the League Cup final. Oh, God. And I'm not sure how much he will enjoy them. Malmo. Makes me think back to the only other time he went to the bridge with his parents and twin, twin brother James, aged 11. We arrived too late for the then daily tour, so went to the shop. When it was the real Chelsea shop, not this Nike rip-off, sorry excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lovely shop where I got such treasures as my Chelsea egg cup and cereal bowl and my Chelsea snow globe. Oh, lovely. I can't remember exactly what we bought the twins, but I know there were dressing gowns and slippers involved. Sigh, the good old days. Claire. Yeah, that was a lovely time. Was it? I suppose in a sense, the, the, it's, the shop is like a symbol for the club, really, isn't it? The, the shop's gone all marketing-orientated, and, uh, um, and the club isn't, uh, has gone that way as well, really. So... Um, and the club's in a bit of a mess. The shop's in a mess and the club's in a mess. Oh, dear. But um, I'm a bit worried about a um, conversation with you, Chidge, in her head. Because um, 
Uh, do you ever have conversations? Do you ever have images of Claire in your head, Chich? Uh, I can't say I have yet, but there's always time. Uh, but I mean, there's nothing unusual about that. As a, as a psychotherapist, I'm very versed to people having conversations and inner dialogue. That's what it's but all with about. With you, Chich, with you. Well, then, there we go. Well, we, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honoured and flattered, in fact. There you go. There we go. Now, I, I have an admission to make. Um, I did have... I did have a... I'm sure it was a bloody Patreon post from the ever-so-lovely uh, Russ, who we all know very well. Um, but I can't remember what I've done with it, and I can't find it on Patreon, which is very annoying. Uh, so I don't think I can, I, can, I can read it out. But it was basically plugging an event. I'm trying to find it now, but I'm struggling. So um, apologies, uh, Ross... I will, uh, Russ. Even I will, uh, I will endeavour to find it for next week. The app, the apps all changed, so I can't bloody find. Oh, here we go. It might be in here. It's not the Kenny Rice event, is it, Chidge? No, no, it's not that. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's another one. Never mind, Russ. I'm really sorry, mate. I can't bloody find it, but I'll, I'll dig it out for next week. Scouts on. All right. So sorry about that. Uh, right, people. That was brilliant. What a, an amazing amount of emails there. If you want to email us, don't forget. You bung them in to me before Monday uh, to chelseafancast at gmail.com. And Claire's, of course, was from Patreon. Claire is a, a wonderful Patreon member to whom we are wonderfully, incredibly grateful. Uh, they make a small donation uh, every month, which contributes to the show and various expenses, etc., etc. And as I've often said, if you want to get something on here, uh, apart from when you're Russ and I can't find it, uh, stick it on Patreon and I will will read it out, you know. So there you go. Um uh, and uh, if you want to join Patreon, it's www.patreon. Uh, I think it's .patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. But just look for Chelsea Fancast on Patreon.com and you'll find it. And you know, don't have to donate anything. You can donate as little or as much as you want. It's all gratefully received. Right. Okay. We are uh, about to. There we go. It's Patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. I was right. Okay. I'm not going to read out the other shout outs. They all get shouted out all the time, and we run out of time because we're way over budget. So I'm going to say. That is all we've got time for tonight. Uh, we'll be back next Monday, the 26th of February, uh, talking about the fallout from the Carabao Cup final against Man City. Uh, never have I been looking forward to a cup final less than I am on Sunday. Uh, and this is worsened by the fact that I've got... Uh, ah, Russ is in the house, interrupting me, but with good reason. Oh, shit. Russ, if you, if you type on Mixler now what it was I was supposed to say. I promise I'll read it out before we get to the end. If you do that quickly, I will do that now, all right? Anyway, yeah, um, Sunday's worsened for me but the fact I've got to do my radio show between 12 and half three uh, and then have to hot-foot it up on the Jubilee line to Wembley, which means I won't have time for pre-match beers in the Victoria. So it'll also be the most sober final I've ever been to. This is not looking good, people, you know? That's all I'm saying. Anyway... Uh, we'll be back on Monday, and as ever, I will be joined by Jonathan and Tony Glover in the house. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be fantastic. Uh, now, don't forget, of course, to tune in to the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 and 9 uh, p.m. this Friday with me and Jonathan and Alex Churchill, woo, 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 and Aaron Paul, where we will look back to the United debacle again and also really concentrate, I think, on the Malmo match, which is on the Thursday and uh, look ahead to the Caribou Cup final against Man City 
on Sunday. And of course, we'll be talking all things Chelsea. And I think we might have Liam on the phone on Friday. I could be wrong. Uh, He might say if he's still around. Uh, Anyway, phone in and join in the show and the debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 7020 558. And of course, Love Sport is a London radio station and is broadcast on 558 AM and on London digital channels. And of course, you can get it through Radio Player, TuneIn or Love Sport Radio dot com now uh the show as you know that show all the shows we do maybe even a carry one this week of a fine time uh all come out as podcasts and uh, they're available on chelseafancast.com acast apple soundcloud and spotify as well as other good podcast distributors and you can follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kid and liam at liam underscore to me and as a final plug for the uh, the website chelseafancast.com many thanks to the chelsea fancast bloggers for the regular content jonathan nick Dean uh, and Alex in particular. So there you go. Now, uh, Liam, as always, uh, brilliant having you on the show. I love having your insight on the show. You're an absolute star, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure to be here, guys. Good stuff. Uh, and I can't remember at all, mate, but I may be speaking to you on Friday. So if I am, I look forward to um, it. Yeah, but I can't there you remember, go. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember at all, mate. There's, there's so many bloody shows these days. I can't keep ahead, keep on on top of the schedule but there you go um brilliant um jonathan old bean fantastic stuff as always thank you thank you i always bow down to the knowledge that liam has and uh, and um uh, well done liam fantastic um yeah brilliant. all hail the yeah. liam i say all hail the liam all right mate i'll see you friday yeah, uh, looking forward to that as ever yeah. And uh, you lot, we'll see you in uh, uh, in here next Monday. The Mixler people, thank you as always for being along for the ride. You've been brilliant, particularly those of you who have stayed to the end of what has been a rather long show this week. I blame the emails, but there you go. Right. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Yep. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,